welcome to the internet's uh, premiere <laughs> uh, folk necromantic uh, podcast. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's premiere, if, if, if we're one of the few ones identifying as such, but I'm going to stick that feather in our cap for now and we'll see if we uh, have it knocked out by the blustering winds coming from my own mouth. Hello, I'm Al. Uh, how are you doing, Jesse? You did originate the language, as it is said. Mm-hmm. Um, but he- hello, Al. It's a pleasure to behold you in static text form that Zoom allows. <laughs> uh, and and yourself, and with your spirit, and with your spirit. Hello, uh, gentle or indeed not so gentle listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us for another Radio Free Golgotha. This one uh, uh it's a hilarious episode it is hilarious um, we're gonna get that uh, pun out right out of the way let's 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 return to that one again and again and again um as the golden legend does uh which we'll get to i suppose Hello, uh, welcome. Um, we are good at beginnings, which is to say we're good at doing several beginnings at once, uh, uh, at once. And so we're very glad you're back uh, for this February 2023 edition of Radio Free Golgotha. Uh, thank you so much for, for being here. Do you want to run down our list of Sesame Streeted topics uh, for this? Yes, this, absolutely. This, so this happy whole... feast day of, of St. Hilary or San Hilarius, San Hilarion. Not the San Hilarion that you hear sung to in Espiritismo. This is actually another San Hilarion. But uh, so Pope St. Hilary, that is the correct order uh, Mm -hmm. of how to identify. But this is the feast day of Pope St. Hilary. Uh, We'll be talking about the demon legion, um, which brings up, which is a biblical demon or reference and therefore brings up lots of legions of thoughts, legionnaires. Mm -hmm. Um, The herb wormwood, I pronounce that Britishly, and Mm -hmm. the mineral copper. Um, the type of magic is a is is perhaps a stretch at first, but then we're hoping you'll see what we're putting down, that you'll lick what we're pouring on, um, it, which is character as a type of magic. So character, not the character you would play in a play, but perhaps the moral character, the the fortitudes of of your of your spirit and soul uh, that mark your and your spirit also with your spirit. Wow, that was mm-hmm. not succinct and uh the geometric figure is fortuna minor and mm-hmm. it's correlatingly uh homoshapedly <laughs> um mm-hmm. uh form of irosun meji in the ifa and uh oracle and then the uh which we did recently on an episode it's interesting to revisit this sooner than rather later mm-hmm. um i believe we did it in september of last year and mm-hmm. then uh the tower card from the Major Arcana. Um, specifically, if you don't know, we, we're usually referring to Rider Weight, but we do refer to other decks as well, uh, just because it seems to be the, the the standard, if not the gold, a gold standard. But the Tower slash Lightning card, because this it has a complex history. And our dead magician for the day is none other than the illustrious and uh, uh, wonderfully ill-reputed in the best of ways, Rosaline Norton. So we are talking about... Pope Saint, not Saint Pope. Pope Pope Trump Saint? Saint Trump's Pope? I'm not sure. I just know that it's Pope Saint. It is Pope Saint. That's nice. Uh, 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 uh. I always liked Battle Pope as well, but I don't know how official a title that is. Uh, Battle Pope. Also, because you also get like Hyromartyr. 
right? Right. Or a bishop and a martyr. And like Which, those lovely terms that are more reserved, especially when talking about Eastern Orthodox saints, but uh-huh. these complex ones of, of, of St. Pope. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple Hillary's, um, but his emails. And I think <laughs> we're talking about the Bishop of Rome from November 19th, 461, who lives until his death on the 29th or the 28th, depending on uh, which calendricals you're using, of February 468. Is that the right? Is that, am I, have I got the right Hilarious? That is who I'm putting down. And the, and the reason, let's be clear, is again, with apologies to Hil- Hillary, we this seems to be the trend this year. We were going to do an earlier feast that we've been planning for and know far more about. And yet um, life and the universe have, have just dictated that we must put the date later in the month in order to record. So um, we are going to find lovely things to talk about with Hillary because this is what we do. Normally we we pick the day because of the saint or I pick the day because of the saint to make Alf <laughs> play along. Um, but this is a new, another month of, you know, this saint is somewhat obscure. It's not a saint that has a huge cultist following, although it is generally listed in like the top 15 saints of February because of his importance to the church, because he is a Pope and because of his battling against certain heresies internal of the church and strengthening the church in Western Europe. These are big things. So um, yes, this is the Pope that we are talking about. And it's, it's nice to do one that doesn't have an awful lot of apocrypha associated with them or, you know, extra stories. There's, there's a bit here in the, in the golden legend, which, which you want to get stuck into, but it's nice to, to look at again, one of the, one of the more realer ones, uh, so to speak, if that's not uh, unfair to the other also real, but also slightly more mythic ones. So we, we've already we've already cracked a hilarious pun, but th- that's that's literally what the what the name is is derived from, right? Hilarious, meaning hilarious or cheerful. And the Golden Legend says because the saint was always cheerful in the service of God, which is nice. But then because it can never be done with just one uh, little folk uh, etymology, it has to give several more as well. The name is also like Alarius, which comes from Altus, the one from on high, and 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 Ares meaning virtue, because he was high in knowledge and virtuous in his ah, life. There's already a character reference. Lovely. Right, right. And indeed, uh, might be from Hyle, the primordial matter, which is which even the golden legend says is, quote, obscure. Um, and <laughs> Hillary's words, both spoken and written, were obscure and profound. So we, we, we have a start here uh, for St. Hillary, who is a native of the region of Aquitania, and who eventually becomes bishop of the city of uh, Poitiers who is said to have risen uh, like the bright morning star amongst the other stars, which is also uh, a telling little uh, reference there, whether or not we're uh, clued up on Isaiah or not in terms of uh, rising like the morning star. But what would you say? I mean, the, the, I mean, I think it's, it's probably, probably their, their popedom, right. Um, that they're most famous, famous, infamous for along with this, uh, this synod, uh, which gets referred to as the robber synod of Ephesius eventually. Yeah, I think the the I think this is also a great example of how to find hooks within any holy figure and find out how we can use them on the um, sorceress or witch or like dual observant level. Yeah, like, love it, love even, it. Even though Hillary is an obscure saint, what are the things that we can look at for for appeal as? And you know, he already has less of a, like I'm a patron saint of these things because he's a pope. Um, and popes or saints generally other than like Peter and some of the more outstanding ones don't have that, that kind of people are praying to me a lot for these things. You know, he's, he was born in Sardinia. Um, he's in that area of obscurity of, of 
Hispania and Francia and these areas that that are in the early church when we're talking here, the fifth century, there's already a lot. This is a shift already to include uh, and encapsulate ideas of what the church is believing because the early church has expanded and mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, the arising of certain heresies, especially with this, with Arianism, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so denying the divinity of Christ is, is Arianism. And this gets complex, right? We have the idea that specifically that, that God is both, or that Jesus, the Christ is both human I, AKA Jesus and divine the Christ is an important mm. uh, part of uh, Catholic belief. Um, and so th- this is not something to be looked down upon. It, there's certainly uh, a rise in this as it's happening. Um, the like Arianism itself is, is the first of the great heresies, right? Like this is a huge decision to decide that, that, that Jesus does not have a divine nature, mm. um, that Christ is merely a man. Mm. And, this threatens the stability of the church in many ways, right? Because we're already establishing a historical presence for, for the Christ as part of the legitimacy of Roman Catholicism or Latin Catholicism. Cause that, that like, if we really want to be truthful, Roman Catholicism is an epithet given by the Protestants later on. Um, right. But we're Latin rite Catholics and they're the supremacy of the see of Rome as the, the center of the world, the center of Christ, the Christian world. Mm-hmm. And, Arianism at this time uh, is is threatening a unified belief, and it 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 threatens the nature or uh, belief that the Godhead is not able to be two things at once. In, in fact, I think the the way that it can be described is that through him the world was created and was granted uh, all the divine attributes except divinity. That, mm-hmm. that Jesus is a a a piece through which God the Father speaks, right, uh, right, right. A, a a a medium or the matter that is used to enact in the world, but not God Himself. Yeah, it's it's uh, from what I gather of it, it isn't about saying Jesus is less important. If anything, it's a way of saying he's more important because he didn't have superpowers necessarily. Yeah, uh, still able to perform miracles and so on. I, I don't think that's contested, but it, it it solves the whole oil and water problem of how is how is he what 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 does it mean usefully to say someone is God or part God uh, while they're also in mattered and you know eventually nailed to wood. Yeah, I think there's um, a great reaction against the increasingly taken for granted worldview that there's magic or the supernatural and at every corner in this time period. And it's in, in some ways the the revolution of it was to say that Jesus is, is not of those things that there's something different. Um, right, 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 right. And again, it's, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be read as a, as a dismissive or reductionist approach or certainly not an, you know, uh, uh, what the, what by the early modern day, you know, they want to call like a, a, a seducist or a, uh, a, a an atheistical kind of position. It's it's a way of simply not getting hit up in a bunch of deep theological kind of like over cogitation, right? About like uh, divine and matter and, and materialized divinity, etc. Yeah, there's also um, uh, his his predecessor, right? Leo uh, is also having a heightened tolerance of schismatic sects so it, leo is not encouraging 
Arianism specifically, but is encouraging or at least allowing for differences of opinion arising within regional uh, sects and their and, and their interpretations of things. Yeah. And this is threatening the unity of the church. Um, certainly, you also get into uh, the 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 Macedonian heresy is another one that's cited as as being pivotal to like Hillary's like this. We, this is not good for uniformity. What's interesting about this is that I would say like, and I think that it's something to consider even in pointing out in further episodes is what does that make this saint good for? Mm. Unification of thought is mm. really lovely. Like if you're having problems finding the point, then Hillary is a saint that is good at doing that yeah. uh, by, by their nature and struggling with their own writings and trying to find a unified voice of the church. I think as someone who struggles with writing all over, it's kind of that, that thing that we've talked about that, a good paper, the conclusion writes itself. And sometimes if you're around like seven out of 10 pages and you don't know what your conclusion are, you kind of got to go back at that point mm-hmm. and figure out what you're getting towards. And that Hillary is literally the, the uh, literally figuratively somewhere, uh, summarily the, the uh, uh, a Pope saint that can be used perhaps to find things simple, which is a pun because the successor is Simplicius, um, <laughs> uh, the following Pope. But I, I also love the fact that he uh, dies on, the, on leap day and therefore <laughs> is canonized as part of his feast of the 28th because, we, you know, you don't always get a leap day. But mm-hmm. the, like, the nature of being forgot, you know, like that only one out of every four years <laughs> is your feast day actual and yeah. is, is, is quite uh, hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a time out of time again. So yeah. into, an intercalary saint for an intercalary period. I love that. I love that idea of like uh, unifying thought. Golden Legend also gives us some good old fashioned necromancy. Uh, nice. said to have restored the life of an infant who had died without baptism when he came back to uh, to the island, along with um, casting snakes out, which is always nice, right? He uh, he said to lay in the dust for a long time and pray. And the two, the, the old man and the infant uh, uh, rose together, the old man from his prayer and the infant from death. Which is uh, we love some we love some 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 dusty necromancy, um, which is which is glorious. There's also some some lovely punning around being uh, uh, gallus, uh, meaning either a gaul or a cockerel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we 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 have this uh, wonderful uh, back and forth when finally uh, uh, Hillary does sort of confront whichever Pope Leo it is, uh, and there's also some some not not contesting of that but some admitting that we're not quite sure which one it is necessarily uh, at that time pope leo led astray by the perfidy of the heretics convoked a council of all the bishops and hillary went to it though he was not invited so already for a start uh, unifying thought does not necessarily wait until it is invited to do things yes <laughs> <laughs> the pope hearing that he had arrived gave orders that no one should rise to greet him or offer him a seat which is rude uh hillary came in and leo said to him are you hillary the cock uh, I am not a cop, the saint responded, but I was born in Gaul and I'm a bishop of Gaul. Um, I, I, Gallus, uh, are, you, uh, are, you, are you French, right? Uh, and then Leo res- uh, responds, so you are Hillary from Gaul and I am Leo, apostolic bishop and judge of the Sea of Rome. Hillary apparently responds, you may be Leo, but not the Lion of Judah. And if you sit in judgment, it is not in the seat of majesty. Apparently to this, the Pope rose angrily saying, wait a little while until I come back and I'll deal with you as you deserve. Hillary then kind of predicts his death. And it's like, but if you don't come back, who will answer me in your place? Leo yeah. says, it won't be long. When I get back, I'll take your pride down a peg. Uh, and the uh-huh. Pope 
take care of, of, of a need of nature, supposedly it says, but is then seized with dysentery, the dysentery supposedly, and perishes uh, Oregon Trail style. Um, apparently Hillary hearing this quotes Psalms 23, the earth is the Lord's. But then the, the <laughs> then the golden legend takes a kind of like backseat and it's like, there is however some doubt about the miraculous death of Pope Leo, uh, because there's nothing about it in the scholastic history or the tripartite history, but also because the Chronicle has no record of a pope by that name at that time. That Jerome also says, like, the Holy Roman Church was always kept itself spotless and so uh, continued for all time, unstained by any heresy. So it's also there's a there's a, there's a little bit of a like, OK, in order for Hillary to be to be saintly and cool, we have to we have to have some heresy for him to be fighting. But we don't want to be too clear on when that heresy was exactly and who had to be the bad guy to his goody, right? Overall, it said, uh, there might, however, be thought that at the time someone named Leo was Pope, not by canonical election, but by tyrannical usurpation, or perhaps Pope Liberius, who was on the side of the heretical Emperor Constantine, who was also called Leo, right? So, so there's this idea that uh, we're not quite sure which Leo it was, but one of those Leos was dodgy. And uh, we don't put, we don't, we don't point fingers too closely at the, the black hat clergymen in our stories just in case we need them to be a good guy at some other point that's also added that that, that, that complication is added by a further complication because uh hillary when he was old and infirm knowing his end was near called for the priest leontius uh for whom he had a deep affection and uh and leontius does a bunch of stuff for him as he's dying um so we have another leo close to him as well just in case it wasn't confusing enough it's interesting too because we know that it was Leo the first before him, but that means that by you know a thousand years later, it's already getting confusing for yeah. people, and that Leo the first, who is um, uh, does is at odds with Hillary at different times, is also a doctor of the church and one of only two popes that is, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's fascinating, uh, as in that it binds me to them both. Um, mm. I'm curious too because there's that there's an episode where. Hillary goes as one of the papal legates uh, and like refutes it. Like they refuse to read his letter mm. and uh, they, uh, the, the, it is from Pope Leo mm. and they go off and they have a sentence with everything and they, they, they condemn somebody or um, a, a Flavian of Constantinople, I think. Mm. Uh, and pronounce, then all Hillary gets up and says is contradictor which is basically saying I annul the entire sentence in Leo's name and sits back down because they didn't read his letter. <laughs> so he was just like, I'm sitting here with the authority of the Pope. He's not even Pope yet, but he's just like, we're done. Uh, <laughs> so I like the fact that he like, it's summarily some in, in summary, uh, hilariously just is like, fuck this. Um, yeah. You know, like that's, I'm not going to waste the breath. Um, yeah. So I, I personally, I, I'm seeing this cultus of, of, of writing and thought and thesis that seems to be, a possibility with with such a figure, right, um, right, 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 and such clarity doesn't wait for an invitation. It it it, it strikes while the iron is hot, yes. and also doesn't necessarily need to mince its words or frame everything in 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 uh, in ornate or or overly verbose uh, uh, legalistic challenge. It can simply be the legalistic challenge. Yeah, it's it's almost invoking invoking the finality of thought is not necessarily to your advantage as a writer. Um, but it might be to your advantage to understand where everything is going so that you can then choose, you know, in our other in our other languages of traditions, choose the road that you wish to walk down um, yeah. more accurately and spend time with. Yeah. Of interest to me, too, is where he's buried, because Leo before him was the first pope buried in St. Peter's Basilica. 
And Pope Hilary is buried in St. Lawrence's outside the wall. So he's buried alongside St. Lawrence and St. Stephen, who's the first martyr. St. Lawrence and St. Stephen are the the under-altar saints. And then there's a number of, 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 um, what do you call it, niches and, and, and little little areas below as well. And so there's the the patriarchal basilicas that are there. This is one of the primary uh, churches uh, of, of, I believe it's one of the seven pilgrim churches of Rome. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's outside the original city walls, but was an important, important uh, burial place for, for saints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you've got that continually because Stephen isn't just the first martyr. He's the first martyr stoned outside the city walls and so when you've got a saint stephen's church it usually marks at least the town's old walls yes um, and usually it also marks that they're you know thriving enough to need to do something to, to need to expand outside of those walls as well so uh yeah no it's it, it's, it's always an interesting one i was also fascinated by uh hillary's um devotion to uh the johns uh to john the evangelist and john the apostle um how, how masonic so yeah, exactly right. Well, I mean, also he literally like um, installs uh, uh, you know a, a couple chapels and uh, and dedicates them. So during the whole uh, robber synod incident um, in four oh my god, what when when was it? Was it four forty nine um, before Common Era? Uh, he, he it's not it's it's not a popular synod, right? He has to flee, and so he hides himself in the crypt of uh, Saint John the Apostle. Uh, yeah. And he attributes his deliverance to the intercession of the apostle. And so over the ancient yes. doors of the oratory, apparently the inscription uh, was was set in to St. John the Evangelist, the liberator of Bishop Hilarius, a servant of Christ. Right? He also erects a, a chapel of the Holy Cross uh, in the baptistry, uh, a convent, two public baths and libraries near the Church of St. Lawrence, right outside the walls. Yeah. Uh, and he builds another convent within the walls. But yeah, this this concept of, of putting up religious buildings uh, in the name of 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 the Johns is uh, is 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 really interesting. So for a start, though, all, all, all Johns become one John at that point a little yeah. bit, right? It's the crypt of Saint John the Apostle, who is kind of named after John the Evangelist, right? And so that's that's who the uh, uh, the inscription runs to. Oh, and John the Baptist, well. yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's uh, that's nice to uh, have as a little precursor to uh, talking about Wormwood later as uh, as Saint John's Girdle. <laughs> there's also the importance which we briefly went over but his decisions to uh kind of unify the churches of of hispania which mm. at that time were a hotbed of we'll do whatever the fuck we want <laughs> and creating their own jurisdictions and he through through both threat as well as coercion mm. uh you know allowed certain people to you know retire from this and recognize the official you know see of rome in this way and we'll bring you back into the fold and it was done in a way that was not considered um too extreme and therefore the peace of the kingdom of rome as it were um is heavily attributed to him um which is quite fascinating if you know whether we lost the 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 battle records or it really was just let's talk this out uh which you know, for a piece of the official pie, I'm sure many did. There are two bits of like candle mystery. If we're talking about practical kind of yeah. sorcering, uh, ensorcelling with a with a, a lesser known or lesser bothered saint, which is that a the 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 golden legend says that he um, 
Oh, he 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 pulls a full ET and starts like glowing uh, before he passes. So he's when he's old and having performed many miracles, uh, a great then a great light so bright that the priest could not bear it shone about the bishop. And as the light slowly faded, the saint departed to the Lord. Um, and he flourished about the year three forty in the reign of Constantine. Uh, and his feast day is described as the octave of, of Epiphany, which is always nice. So this idea of this great light. But the second part that makes me think of candles is that there's like a minor like wax miracle that's reported, which is the last thing the golden legend has to say about St. Hilary. Two merchants owned a block of wax and one of them offered the wax at the altar of St. Hilary, though the other refused to do so. Promptly, the wax split into two parts, one remaining with the saint, the other returning to the merchant who had refused to offer it. There's not really any explanation as to how that relates to anything else. Um, but then we move on to St. Macarius and we're, and we're done. <laughs> yeah. So I think of, I think of that being the last thing I think of like how the goal, you know, I, I love repairing to the old GL. Cause again, it's, it's, it's the, it's not just one of the main sources of hagiography written down. It's, it's, it's read in church, you know, every week for, for centuries. And so ending um, sermons or, or or ending the reading at least before the sermon with this little tale of of how hilarious it is to get back what you've what you've offered uh or to or to split your offerings um and again the the links between wax as impressionable and wax as a means of light to see what is what is read what is written um to to have a light to curse uh the darkness by you know, all those kinds of concepts interests me. My brain bilingually just you start talking about wax miracles and the the pun, which I don't think exists in Latin the same way, but in Spanish at least, that um sera is, you know, B, right? You know, that it's it's like the que sera sera type of thing, right? What is what will be will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sera is also with a well, that's with an S, but with a C is wax. And I try to think of all the puns that is and the kind of like hodier cras. Mm-hmm type of punning of what that might be in the, the the ET finger that glows that will cause things to be. Um, well, his daughter's got um, uh, uh, bee mysteries as well. The, 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 the apiary kind, cause she's called apia, right? Uh-huh. Uh, she's also named after the bees, like, um, you know, not quite Melissa style. Cause that's the honey, but apia is, 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 is where we get apiary, right? Uh, apiarist from. And she's also significant uh, because she chooses holy virginity instead, and and she's she's got her own little stories. But yeah, there's there's also some even more wax and 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 the and the and the animals that make it is is, is all tied up there. One of the reasons to to put legion as a demon, of course, of which there are many reasons. Uh, a reason <laughs> is for the. The idea of grouping things singularly under a title or office, mm. uh, which does seem to be done grimorically and is certainly part of practice within contiguous, uh, let's say, demonic, demonic traditions of, of practice. Mm. And it might not be something that is explicitly stated as part of those practices. And I'm sure Al will go into this uh, with much more uh, quotage and, and footnotary, but uh, oral footnotary. Foot and mouthery. Um, Foot and mouthery, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I, th- okay. So, looking at legion, which mm. itself does mean many, is used to refer to the the demons in the Gospel of Mark, where 
Jesus is encounters a possessed man and calls on the demon to emerge, demanding to know its name, mm-hmm. and which is you know part and parcel for exorcisms. And the man says that he or he gives the collective name of Legion, mm-hmm. and this is both taken as you know the demon's name might be Legion, but also to say that we are many, and that fearing that that Jesus will drive him out into the world and into the great abyss, um, you know, shale bound that instead Jesus casts the demon into a herd of pigs that then rush into the sea and are drowned. Uh, pigs being an unclean animal and therefore a fit body for a demon to go into. And, that, and there's let, there's lots of speculation on that. Even I've seen uh, over the years of like pigs being the closest meat to humans and therefore a fitting substitute for things that would like to possess humans, mm-hmm. not just for their uncleanliness otherwise. But the gospel of Luke also revisits the, the same story. And Mark is considered the Q gospel, right? This is the source gospel of the primary three uh, gospels that are, you know, John is an outlier. John's doing his own thing. But Luke and Matthew also shorten the same story. And in Matthew, it's suddenly two men. Uh, So Legion is himself is possessed uh, or possessing uh, two men. The demons are, 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 the person themselves becomes Legion, which is fascinating. Right, right, right. We de-individualized even more. So rather than it being one demoniac, one possessing demon, yeah. It's it's got it's it's already by by Mark it's already one uh, possessed person possessed by many demons uh, yes. which also identify under a collective noun uh, which is a sort of proper noun of legion um, and then the story is, is is multiplied again so it's multiple people being possessed by the same gang of spirits yes and and that in by the time we get to Matthew which is the shortest of the accounts uh, we also know that the demons are unnamed. Um, so it is, it is specifically in Mark where the demon Legion is named. And mm-hmm. so we get this idea between uh, the, the Roman army, uh, right? As, as like, there's the, there's the, there's the word legio or legio, which will be used as a, a non an indescript, but just not indescript, nondescript, but a large quantity, unnamed large quantity, unspecified. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, large yeah. quantity, uh, which is also then, has a reference to as much in the gospels and the new Testament does to Roman terms as the occupying force of, of, of Judea uh, that it's between, you know, three and 6,000 that, that we are legion, that there are so many of us in running rampant in the, in the average peasants of the country. Right, Um, right, 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 right. Yeah. So um, uh, there's a professor of new Testament language and literature uh, Michael Willett Newhart, who uh, uh, has authored stuff on the Gospel of Mark and and makes the kind of like political propaganda of this explicit and says that, you know, uh, readers around this time, around 70 common era, uh, would have associated the name Legion with Roman military formations specifically, which were active in the area at the time. Yeah. And so the intention may be to show that Jesus is not just better than demons. He's also better than these, you know, demonic foreigners uh, coming over here and uh, building roads, etc., which also fulfills in part what of what the Messiah, the Moshiach, was expected to do, which right. is to expel the, the non-native forces. Right, 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 right. Even though that's not something that Jesus does later. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and then that's that kind of uh, uh, hashtag teach the controversy is 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 controversialized by uh, biblical scholars like Seyun Kim, who points out that l- the Latin uh, legio or legio. Uh, was commonly used as a loan word in, in Hebrew and Aramaic already uh, to indicate, as you said, like an unspecified but but large quantity. And so in, in the New Testament text, it's used as a proper name. Um, and in this sense, like kind of 
can have its cake and eat it in terms of, yes, it gets to have all of these like anti-Roman propagandist values, but it's also just talking about an uncounted or, or even uncountable uh, uh, a multitude of, of, of demonic spirits. Yes. So segueing from that, because that is the, the, the thing that allows us to, I mean, we make up our own rules, but the thing that is an interesting ingress into discussing the demon legion, which mm. is, what does that mean? But also to borrow the parlance from at least the English trans translations of grimoire material where a demon has so many legions working under them. Right, right. This is a classic part of a of a of, of an office of a spirit, which can refer the office or officiarium uh, can refer to the book itself, like uh, like a. <laughs> I like this spirit <laughs> list, right? Uh, but it, it can also refer to the specific functions, the purview. Uh, that will later start to have more of a context of how they cometh forth, like what the, what they, if not look like, the associate imagery with them, uh, their their goetic heraldry, if you like. Um, but pretty early on, we start to include that uh, whichever named demon we are we are reading the office of or recording the office of, uh, along with what they do, like you know, te- uh, you know, he teacheth a man to go invisible, uh, or, or liberal arts, which seems um, a common one in terms of the clerical underground, both being you know dodgy people pretending to be uh, priests in pubs to sell handwritten grimoires on the on the down low but also uh, uh the repair of many uh um uh, student clergymen uh desperately trying to cram for his exams which i love as a as a, the, the the smart drugs of their day but the what's interesting about looking at the legions of like not only does this you know spirit such and such look like this or can in, in some of the earlier accounts can be summoned by an image that is wrought in this way uh, but it also typically includes how many legions they command. And what's interesting in the earlier records is it seems that we start low. Um, I mean, Bale as an example of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a particularly popular demon. We've talked about Bale's firstness a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the links are, have been made by, by many etymologists and many person dancing the onomastics of it to talk about Baal as Lord in general and, and Baal specifically or Boel, even if we're going to include some, some more explicitly lunary stuff to go on with all of, all of his, his solary kingship is that he starts off with six legions in some of the earliest accounts I've read. Uh, and that that quickly gets replicated as, as these spirits offices shift in terms of editing and copyist errors and shifts of emphasis, one of the things that starts to happen is the legions start to grow. As the spirits become more popular, interestingly enough, as they are circulated more commonly and in more texts, uh, that 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 number of six legions for Baal, for instance, becomes 66 very quickly. Um, and I, I, I'm fascinated by the idea of them swelling the ranks of their legions as the <laughs> manuscripts and spirit lists themselves become more popularized. Right, that that, that 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 perhaps we are seeing a paper trail for the spirits becoming considered more powerful or at least more variated. So the other difficult or interesting thing about the legions is that they aren't necessarily explored to a great degree. We aren't necessarily told very much about what these legions consist of. These for the for these various demonic spirits. What we we do have is 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 a clear set of protocols of engagement, if we like, about calling a, 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 a senior named spirit in order to send forth um, their familiars, 
which can mm-hmm. be a term that complicates things when we start to get into like English versus continental witchcraft. Uh, and, and and I think has a slightly different context for, for British cunning folk who are also said to have like familiar imps of various sorts, which are more like their, their primary working spirits, if, if that's not just adding another term to confuse things. So we do have this idea that there are spirit they, they have other spirits that they can send. And 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 it's kind of implied <coughs> that these are it's kind of implied that these are uh, uh coming from the ranks of these these legions. But one of the ideas that I, I I'm also interested in, although haven't found a great deal of evidence for, is that potentially these um some of these devils, uh Glanville, uh, for instance, uh, uh reports a, a, a folk eschatology that suggests that some of these stories of devils or the devil being easily outsmarted, this kind of older, uh, if we're going by the archaeology of this demonology, that like a local uh, unclean spirit or, or, or nature spirit or, 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 or pagan devil that will later be called the devil uh, by, 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 by Christian apologists and, and heresiographers is outsmarted, right? We're already, we're already dealing with con- conflicting elements by the time we get to you know, the Reformation and the idea that the, the devil, the man in black, is now this very powerful uh, personification of, of of all evil and not just, you know, someone that can be outsmarted in a fiddle context in Georgia. There's also this notion that Glandel explores of like, maybe these uh, earlier devils that were tricked, so they, they, they turn up looking like dead magicians sometimes. Uh, hashtag dead magicians, everyone take a drink. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really fascinated by this idea that their, their legions might include, and this is like highly speculative, that they might include the magicians who worked with them in some sense. And so this idea, uh, which, you know, gets kind of picked up as both an explanation as to how these are devilish, but not the devil, as well as what happens if you give your soul uh, to these spirits, uh, if you are not careful with the pacts you make. Now, that's at odds a lot of the time with the idea that many of these pacts from from like Grandier onwards don't necessarily mention anything about souls. But then we're into wider conversations about implicit and explicit pacts in the in Which, wider terminology. I do like that that brings up um, one of the primary uh, discussion points in of the Cachisos of Kimbanda of, of Eshun Pumbajira being uh, themselves former workers of Kimbanda, um, yeah. which is a which is a, a belief, pr- especially promulgated in starting in the '60s um, through a spiritist lens, through a Mandista lens. Um, it is not necessarily reflected in all lineages of Kimbanda because it's so diverse. Mm-hmm. But the idea that that Eshu so and so is actually a former worker of Kimbanda itself, by which is generally meant necromancy, mm-hmm. uh, without without or or an Africanized necromancy of of something similar in its scope of practice. Um, because there's also, you know, Eshes and Pumbajiras from around the world in these incredibly complex spirit descriptions that are put out in the, starting in the 60s, let's say, in, mm. in pamphlets. And so it, it speaks to the kind of, uh, whether this is independent variation, but we know that there's grimoire influence as to how these spirits are described, if not more than that. Um, and if nothing else, the, the difference between, like, as you're saying, of, of Baal having 66 legions, but Beleth, I think, is 85, right? Mm-hmm. And we're talking about rank there. Oh, they're not equal, right? One, one commands more than the others, but yeah. Baal is still in primacy. Um, and and it just as a, as a simple example, or that Person has 22 legions, and this is distinctly far less in number. Um, and I, I, I don't know if why, why do I blank on? I don't even remember Payman's number right now. If Payman even has uh, two hundred, mm. there we go. I was like, Payman is a lot, but it was like, why do I not remember the number? Because I am human and my brain does not work all the time. 
in some of the uh, earlier accounts of the kings, you also have these like hugely uh, uh, grandiose uh, uh, depictions or, or, or heraldry, as I prefer to think about them. Um, Oriens is said to appear sometimes with a hundred horse heads, and so this idea of 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 which is the spirit and which is the the steed of the spirit, and is the spirit part of is the steed a different spirit that they're riding, or is it you know a spirit that occupies more than one body again? To get back to that concept. Right, yeah. uh, uh, yeah, those yeah, demons yeah. That, that turn up holding snakes or riding dragons that might also speak to you is is really interesting. There, the Belial of eighty legions of demons and fifty legions of spirits under his command. Yes, and yes. What, so what, we're what, even what? separating from like yeah. there are legions and also there are spirits, right? Along yeah. with um, uh, 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 sub messenger kings as well, especially for for the four of the of the directions, Orians et al, who are said to have at least two uh sub kings each who are often named but not always and their their names also vary a great deal across different manuscripts uh, so looking at how hierarchy affects things like authority and even the ability to have an utterance be something from someone higher than you know up i'm reporting on behalf of so and so echoing hillary's uh contradiction right and saying on behalf of pope leo no yeah yeah (laughs) And, right. and that that's what it can be. We understand already that there's a, a history in, the, in in how hierarchy works within the, f- the frameworks of which our demons are presented, presented mm-hmm. that one can speak with the authority of one above it if it's been granted that in a specific circumstance. Right. So the idea of legions then lends itself to, we don't know if it is the bail that we are talking to, mm-hmm. but it is something that for our purposes at this level is mm-hmm. allowed to call itself bail if we've gone through the proper restraints and, and disciplines to make sure that it is something on the channel of bail coming through. But this right. brings up a, a distinct disagreement in even the modern magical community that allows for differences between individual perceptions and um, experiences with said lists. Right. right. And I, you know, this can get very heated very quickly. So I'm not trying to espouse one better than the other, but I think we're right. Uh, but that's just that I think that's also because of my experience in, in in similar traditions where I'm not going to pretend that what such and such king of the classic 72 Solomonic, um, because as my experience is more that in in and I know you have a lot more experience also with with um uh true Grimoire, Verum, um, but that I don't mistake my experience with let's say Payman for a universal experience with Payman, that there might be landmarks that identify that spirit as payment, as ways in which payment and their ilk, their legions appear. But I have come to understand it as part and parcel and perhaps erroneously that I am speaking with one of the legions of payment that I can then interact with as if it is payment to whatever experiences I am doing. And there are times where the appearances change or the, um, the, the, um, the specul, the, the performativity, the, the, the spectacle of it all can change. Uh, based on my my mood, the time of the day, the time of the year, the, what's going on, as well as perhaps what payment is willing to themselves put on, allegedly, um, in yeah. case, you know, there's any witchcraft laws I have forgotten about in upstate New York. <laughs> I uh, That's a nod to Rosalie Norton. Uh, but <laughs> I, 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 I wanted, I, I guess what I want to investigate and complicate and be generative about with picking Legion as a demon is, is there, where is this, definitiveness of when we call such and such spirit, obviously we are doing things to make sure that that spirit is coming as opposed to a, a, there is an understanding 
amongst many practitioners and many traditions that have incorporated such uh, catalogs of spirits into their own practices, which might be rooted in a more new world hybridity um, and, and contact with ATR, um, ADR, and, and, and other just sorceress traditions from a non-purely European perspective that have allowed for legion to mean that there's no guarantee that your experience is going to be the same as mine. And indeed, it, it perhaps shouldn't. Mm. Um, and that part of the plurality of that is proof in the pudding, because then we can be like, that sounds like a belial. Uh, uh, you know, that's something of Belial's. That's something of Persons. That's something of Beleth's. Um, yeah, which I also came across recently as Bleth. And I know that we talk about those etymologies, but Bleth is a terrible name. <laughs> or Bileth, you know, is 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 wonderful. Um, anyway, so I'm curious, I guess, is on the historical side and the historicity of things. Yeah. This assumption, both ways, is so taken for granted that if I call payment and you call payment, that we must have the exact same experience because certainly we can't be, if I'm, if we have difference of experiences, then mine must be accurate and yours must be wrong, which we see those wars uh, recounted in, in since the beginning of, of people calling demons probably, but also the other, the the other extreme, which is, I don't need your experience to match mine. And in fact, I I hope it doesn't, but I, you know, I like, (laughs) <laughs> then we don't even have to argue about that. We can just tell about like, but how did you get rid of them? Or how did you, <laughs> how did you successfully constrain them? Um, right. And, and right. those things are in extant practices where there might be demonic invocation through bodily and spirit possession, uh, mm-hmm. as you see in Trinidad or um, Jamaica or, or even Haiti there there's, or Brazil, there's, there's evidences for this thing of like, yes, your binding of the 72 following like a Duquedian, like, you know, if you shut yourself off, if you bind this demon, it can no longer have an influence over you. Yeah. Not necessarily everybody else, which right. is interesting because they like, well, did that weaken the demon at all? Or is it just, you know, is it which, which is which? Right. I think right. there's enough there for you to respond to without me continuing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all, no, it's all. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's fascinating. And, and, and I, I love that we're, we're taking this to, or including, you know, discussion of, of, you know, Trinidadian, uh, uh, examples and 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 practices and, and and traditions and so on. I think what we're talking about here is like the the issue or the crux of individual. We might even say individuated engagements with these spirits, right? And there's there's a couple things that I, I kind of want to get to, but I'm realizing that that kind of starts with the question of like not just who shows up when you call, but who else shows up, right? So so most grimoires say that when you start calling spirits, other spirits might pay attention in some way, right? Whether or not that's <laughs> their legions formally, whether or not that's the retinues of very senior spirits that turn yeah. up with their, you know, with their with their tambourines and with their their instruments and their camels and their, you know, uh their their, their entourage, right? Yes. There's also this concept that like we get a general sense of swarming spirits around the the candle and circle, right? And we, yeah. we you light this. the lighthouse, you know, to right. show where the port is. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're going to get it. Well, yeah, all of yeah, 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 yeah. As with as with nature, you know, we aren't just dealing with that one tree. We're also dealing with the root, the 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 grounds that that tree is on, the other trees that that tree might talk to, the old pacts that might have been carved into its trunk, etc., etc., etc. We don't deal in tabula rasa, right? When we when we deal in the sublunary world. Um, so we have this general concept of, 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 of general swarming spirits. I'm especially interested in where those might include not just spirits who are desperate for a little bit of light or a little bit of 
of, of, of chicken blood or what have you, but are spirits that are drawn to the work because they sympathetically worked those kinds of things in life, right? That's that's Hayden talking about how ghosts go on holiday and uh, uh, advise people that like the same sports they did, right? That's that's dead magicians and witches potentially turning up because you know they they are drawn to someone practicing the same thing they practiced. So from this this concept of like okay, it isn't just this one spirit potentially, or if it is, that spirit might turn up very briefly only to allow you to, to speak to the, 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 the spirit you need in question. There emerge two approaches to what to do about this historically across Grimoric use, as far as I can tell. The first is more of a, an objective, objective or objectifying <laughs> approach uh, of, of tabulating and organizing, okay, when I call from this direction, it's this spirit, um, except in this grimoire where it's something else. This to me, uh, is exemplified by a lot of even contemporary uh, ceremonial magicians. And I see the use of it in terms of organizing various different manuscripts and, 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 and trying to come to a decision about which one is right. Um, but therein lies also, I think, the, the removal of you from what I would say the second approach is, which is a more subjective or subjectifying um, experiential approach, which is about navigating these different uh, uh, accounts and these different uh, agglutinizing perhaps of of uh, a, a, and finding a way through to actually get something done so that you aren't just weighing up which manuscript is more real than another but working out which one is more helpful and which one is ah, more that's great because that that starts to get into my 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 brain buzzy flick clit area of that was a really a vulgar word um <laughs> of uh it dangles the uvula of my brain um it it, <laughs> it dingles my dongle of of performance theory um right. so that we're not just looking at um an ident a static identity but in that classic thing of like god is a verb but then how does belleth belleth and that is actually the more important thing so that it's not about individual static identity but you're actually talking about the performance of something which sorry everyone that's going to be my thing so um Go on, Al. I'm with you. Uh, yes. Well, it, it, I mean, we're back to um, repertoire and archive a little bit as well, I think. When you are tabulating which grimoire is right, which set of directions is the right one for the four kings, and which spirit list includes the 12 and which one has 13 under each of them, and so on, I think we are at risk of overly archivizing, right? And, 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 and reifying as like, well, one of us is right and one of us must be wrong as opposed to a repertoire of like, well, did you go to that crossroads and call and what happened, right? And so I am much more a fan of being able to look to what experiences come from these things and go from there rather than trying to, dare I say, armchair, what kind of result you think you are going to have. Well, okay. So what it makes me consider is the kind of the Roman interpretation or the Greek interpretation as it's been variously called of when you go to a foreign place and you automatically compare those gods to your own. And there is a complication in that because it's not so much always solely a colonialist way of doing. It is how to give validation also to local cults that can then have their own expressions of of, right. of Demeter or Diana or of Jupiter. But how to the, usefully overlay the maps of value centers. Yes, exactly. And so you see this in many expressions, whether it's um, looking into Haitian Vodou and seeing the different uh, nations as they're called, or whether it's Rada or Petwa or Congo, um, or any of the other permutations of various things, Gede, that the spirit has to fit into one of those things, but there's room for all spirits. 
Mm. And that's similar when we go into Umbanda and its notions of seven rays, that as long as it fits into one of those colors and understands the hierarchy and how things go in a temple, that there is room for anything to announce itself as being of use to the temple and to the practitioner right. there. Right, because again, we're going off what's helpful to, to know what ray is, to know what senior spirits can help you if it starts going a bit shonky, uh, yes. what kind of colors to, to show up in, how to time the operation, all yeah. that stuff becomes, becomes useful. As and, per, and, to, but, and that's the thing that you're the, that I want to emphasize is useful does not mean it supplants all other information right. that it's, it's superior to all other information. Really, what you're getting in here is an invocation of the democracy of tradition and of the dead that mm -hmm. we're talking about best practices that are then put forward and put forth as to how to work with an energy that may you may have to break from tradition in order to continue to work with. But the idea, I think, or at least I'm proposing a world in where it's not about rigidity and proposed universality of which the West is very good at proposing at, at the elimination of other, you know, these are these are whole uh, cosmovision side, whatever you want to call that, of, of just cosmologist side. Uh, that was not elegant, that phrasing. Um, but the idea that it is not, shouldn't, doesn't have to be about this, it is a slippery slope, of course, to propose that maybe it could be about finding a common language. And that as long as it is reflexively getting information back from the other side and negotiating that performance of what is common, then we have a dialogue. And this is how communication works. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we see examples of this in the planetary components of a lot of Grimoric work as well, because we see in both these universalizing tendencies to be like, which planet rules that spirit? And, and which can I appeal to to boss it around, right? We're back to elite astrologies versus democratic astrologies, right? Yeah. Uh, inferiors obey superiors as opposed to the stars incline but do not compel. But we also see it in these phenomenological uh, negotiations. If you're going to have to, if you're going to call a spirit, you need to decide a point in time to call it in. So you might as well be aligned to useful, again, practical uh, 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 planetary uh, coherences of virtues and spirits uh, in order which, to do that spirit work. Which brings up the the even the the layers of the, where I'm thinking right now because I'm thinking a lot about um, fixed stars because of, of, mm. of keynoting stuff of keynotes uh, of keynotes <laughs> uh, uh, rewind of fixed stars themselves being of the nature of planets uh, in our descriptions of them because they are beyond our our normal uh, way of dealing with things right so there's there's this they are the highest of the of the of the the spheres to deal with and so they're described in terms of planets but no one necessarily always agrees on which planets and it's usually two that are being described to say this so if it's um you know if it's blue if and it, and it it, it seems to be a positive star by virtue of its mythology or something like this you know it it, it might have a, a Jupiterian, and you know, and a, a, a lunar quality to it for for no other reason than that's what that person was like. This is what we think, or they're doc doc not doctoring, um, uh, repeating verbatim from from another uh, grimoire or that might have a more detailed understanding of the mythology and the cultural contextualization behind that star. But I think right. this is interesting because with spirits, it also brings it up for uh, opens them up to understand that they are not just under the influence of one planet and that specifically fixed stars are often given to spirits and deities, that this spirit is like this star or from this star or emanates from this um, thing more than planet because the planets have their own deific qualities, but that is so uh, more wrapped up in our lives that the fixed stars themselves are the minor spirits that we normally interact with, you know, with the exception of the theories of, of like, you know, circumpolar stars are, are far more godlike because they're, they, they, they don't rise and set. So they don't get time off. 
um, and they govern more universal things. However, I guess what I'm going with this is that it's similar to how we've talked about um, in, in theory of correspondence, that if I want, let's say, Wormwood, um, which has a couple different uh, planetary ascriptions, that I get to choose which one I want Wormwood to perform as in my spell, in my working. Yeah, yeah. I am asking Wormwood to take on the qualities that could be lunar, could be solar, could be martial, could be Saturnine. And then <laughs> we're into the immaterial of the conjure, right? As opposed to the material of the component, right? Yes. So we're and, having the thing. But it, which yeah. is partially that same negotiated space that we're talking about, mm-hmm. even with demon or or proposed things here, of that it must have feedback from the other side, which is tradition, uh, dead magicians that we're invoking to say, hey, no, 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 I use this plant in this way. You're like, <laughs> today you're not. So, <laughs> right. um, but, but that negotiated space between what we know as practitioners, as people who are calling upon this and the power of the conjuration as, mm-hmm. as, a, um, as a call itself to perform. Uh, on behalf of what our aim is. Um, the, and if, I'm sorry, this is real because I'm writing an article and I'm going through performance theory shit. But like, <laughs> this is, I, I'm fascinated by this. And now, because then I can compare Wormwood to to Legion and Demon. Yeah. Um, in that we're both calling it to perform, not just a task, but to perform as something that we recognize and to speak that language, which is fascinating because does the same, if I'm called to perform and I understand the cultural context of, uh, where I'm supposed to go and perform this script that is done is very different than if I'm called to perform and I don't speak the same language as my hosts, yeah. or I don't understand the cultural context of my hosts now calling me in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And where those negotiations aren't just personal preferences written over traditional approaches, where it isn't just, well, I don't feel like using mugwort like that. I feel like it should be Jupiterian, right? <laughs> Rather than rather than this emerging just from uh, you know again kind of armchairing or um, or trying to you know responsibly work out what's going to happen before you do it, the place where there isn't that is that a lot of the time the 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 feedback is coming from the spirit, right? The the call mm-hmm. is coming from hopefully uh, inside, inside the, the brass pot, right, yeah. right, right, from inside the brass pot. Yeah, and 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 I think um, appeal to some of the instructions in the Arbitel is is really pertinent here partly because you know in recent years uh you know many uh folks have have made some pretty blanket statements about what the arbitel is and isn't uh in contemporary practice but one of the the things that a couple different people from a couple different angles have landed on is this uh curious instruction it says with regard to names and characters of the spirits and i I pulled it up here because i think it's worth quoting In opposition to much of the traditional doctrine of magic, it is affirmed that there is no power in the figure of any character or in the pronunciation of any name, except insofar as there is a virtue or office ordained by God to do both. The names, moreover, are not definitive, final or real names, whence they differ from different writers accordingly as they have received them. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's that's a start of a conversation about uh, Oriens means the guy in the east, right? The easterly mm-hmm. one, the most easterly one. It says mm-hmm. the, the 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 only effectual names are those which are delivered to an operator by the spirits themselves. And even then their efficacy seldom endures beyond 40 years. It is therefore better for the student, says the Arbitel, to work only by the offices of the spirits without their names. Should he be preordained to attain the art of magic, the other parts of that art will offer themselves of their own accord. 
right? So it, it kind of says a couple things there, but one of them is like, hey, if you're doing the thing and you're facing the right directions and you're working by what it says the spirits do rather than what it says they are and uh, and, and, and and grasping too tightly to like, but how is the name spelled? That has to be the right way of doing it. That the the difficulties will, will smooth themselves out in the course of it being real, right? Yes. Uh, but also that it emerges from this interaction with those spirits. Uh, much in the same way that the the haunted dream bundle of, of 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 Michael Scott, the necromancer, is said to be completed once you have dreamed of the spirit and it giving you the the a, a personalized name. Uh, um, you know, this is my uh, this is my personal line that you can get me on, right? Which is also part and parcel of what a first license to depart should be setting up in other kinds of ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. But the idea that this is very much a negotiation, this is very much, uh, uh, a, a, and as such, has to have. Uh, input from both sides from all sides what you're describing then is that that same um there's a few things here that 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 degradation from the original contact that then gets copied down to give best practices to future generations or for our own future selves that might be forgetful that then we can fill in the blanks from our own experiences but then those notes get passed on and the person then takes on the like um uh, the kind of azoisha slash chumbly thing of like naming or naming the naming the prophet or the writer and not replacing it with your own self um yeah which is 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 con- you know a point of contestation for many practitioners but also this moving towards like what if planets or the names that we give to planets are describing offices in this proposed roman interpretatio that that can become a, like but what's the jupiter like thing of your pantheon like what's the leader that's a sky god that we can grab to and it might not be a sky god but it's the leader and we're going to have to preference that because i need to know how to even talk to you about your gods which is still colonization and like this demand to be right but there's at least a negotiation that can happen once that comes you know it's that whole thing before you start an argument you had to predicate your vocabulary what the fuck you were both agreeing a word meant before you even mm-hmm. argued it right. um and and going through that is then the the evolution of what you're talking about is the xeroxing of the spirits or the gods in two ways and i like that pun because you get the 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 um Badriard thing of like Simulacra, simulacra, which is the degradation of a copy of a copy of a copy that happens when you religiously try to copy something without understanding its essence. Mm-hmm. But also Xeroxing as the death of, uh, for the original brand, in the sense that we don't use Xerox to just mean on a Xerox machine anymore. We mean it, not meaning the brand, but just the act of copying something, that yeah. Googling something just means searching, doesn't mean Google, that mm-hmm. asking for a Coke in restaurants in, in half the United States does not mean you're actually asking for a Coke. Mm-hmm. And, and this type of evolution of a term to become verb is fascinating because you're moving from static identity and the calcification of meaning into an active engagement through its gerunding, through its verbalization, uh, yeah. verbalization, interesting, um, uh, verbization through its, mm-hmm. through its actioning. And uh, it brings me back again to, you know, is, 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 oh, um, a static identity or his, oh, like a description of how this spirit interacts through the cultural trappings, language, and otherwise of being a planetary Olympian spirit. I think it's really important, not just because uh, we can hopefully totally individuate our practices so that we're all siloed off and that like I don't have to relate any of my things to, to your things, but actually that through these personal experiences, you you start to develop little shibboleths of of that the spirit doesn't have to turn up literally with those three heads that the Asgoisha says it has, but that there may be some threads that keep getting repeated, some motifs, some heraldry that can 
that, that you can start to to compare um, the mouthfeel of those spirits to when they are when they're actually in the room, right? These should be ways that we don't just um, individuate off into some you know postmodern fragmentation, but also are able to helpfully talk about dealing with the legionic experience of these spirits, which is I think another component of like we aren't just talking about who are and aren't the legions, but also that working with these spirits has a has a has a multitudinous uh, uh, set of expressions and phenomenologies with it. I don't know. I, I don't have anything to add other than that it's, it's exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I really do respond to the, almost the cogling cognitive linguistics idea of again that and building upon you know what is the verb how does something perform itself um yeah. how do we know that it's said demon uh yeah. which is part why experience comes in why having to call these things in succession to understand broad terms to understand um in in many traditions of extant practice with these things of having spirits that can verify for you through a a fortified relationship with a spirit that can then vouch um or or interpret for you the things that you don't know that you yeah. trust that spirit to report to you, which in, in terms, uh, it's a spirit that is familiar unto me um, in that way. Um, mm. It is it, that, it, you know, the description of what a familiar is, 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 is many things, but the idea of a, of a spirit that speaks true to you through a personal connection and continued service, uh, mutual benefit is quite yeah. interesting. Um, through that too, then is the, I guess the idea that like when we say red, uh, that it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing you mean when you mean red. Maybe you're colorblind and red is a different color for you, but you have learned all the things that are called red by your fellow humans and you categorize them as those are red. So I have no idea knowing that red means the same thing to you, you know, whether I'm quoting um, cognitive linguistics or going into uh, Matilda, the, the Netflix musical. <laughs> um, but this idea that that words are by themselves conceptually collectively negotiated and that this is part of the, the 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 wonderful trappings of language itself that we're not proposing on on a on a minuscule level i mean to the gasp of many kabbalists i'm sure that when we look under a microscope we're not going to see hebrew letters the 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 adamic urge to name things is itself damning but i'm also one for puns so um yeah i think uh I think I've said my piece with this, <laughs> but the Legion opens this up. The, the last thing I'll say on Legion is because Legion is a specific number as well as unspecific. Mm-hmm. I love, for instance, that like when you're looking at, let's say, Belleth, because I've invoked so many names tonight of the Kings, 85 Legions could mean 85 Legion, like people. It could mm-hmm. mean 85 times 3,000, which is like 255,000. Mm-hmm. It could mean 85 times. 6,000, which is the, the high end of what a legion is, which is over 500,000. So right. you're talking about anywhere from like 85, let's say a few of those people are like working in pairs, they're twins or they're couples or who, who the fuck knows, but like 100-ish to 500,000-ish spirits mm-hmm. or demons or somethings under his command, because sometimes it just says legions. And sometimes it specifically says legions of demons. But a lot of these things don't translate between the different translations well. And so I'm always curious what the wording is in those things. But the notion that a spirit could have anywhere and is casually glossed over mm-hmm. uh, by most of us uh, in our day-to-day practice, because it either becomes evident or it's not, as to there's a lot more with this force than mm-hmm. just meets the eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and I think it also, it doesn't do us good. And I know that we've talked about the, the difficulty of like Duplancy's images being so prolific 
is that it fixes an expectation in our minds as to how something should appear. And I do, I love the, the, the wonderful nod to them, but I think it also is important to kind of read the, 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 the Crowley descriptions and um, especially the chaos in the nineties were very big at publishing the descriptions of like this spirit comes like a giant purple triangle oozing juice. That's that looks like orange juice, but smells kind of like fish. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, that's fantastic. You know, <laughs> that is totally different than what I have versus right. you get the kind of um, the, also the kind of people who were saying like, if you don't have the v- demon to full vis- visual manifestation along a term that you actually agree upon, that is that demon, then you are not doing the work that it is not, that it is incorrect. That mm-hmm. if it's solely in the mind's eye, that it is no longer real, which I think is this weird trying to divorce ourselves from early modern ideas of what sight is and, and understand that are the people who are writing our grimoires that we are worshiping as, you know, textual exemplars of, of, of mastery that they are coming from a different thing when they say, see the demon or visualize. They don't use visualize, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that they cometh forth from an image, right? Or they cometh forth in the form of, right? Or even from the form of sometimes, um, which again, I think, I think I've, I've rounded about this before, but there's, there's real strong image magic in the, uh, gosh, 15th century at the very uh, like latest um uh, accounts that uh, that Brian uh, uh, wonderfully translated and made available in uh, Necromancy in the Medici Library. That those goetic offices, you know, say, "Oh, he appeareth uh, like a like a soldier with the head of a lion, and if you want to work with him, you can make an image in iron or wax of a soldier with a lion's head, and that this becomes a, a fetish or focus of the work. Or like he appeareth as a dragon, and you can make an image of of snakes, and it will help you command snakes." Right. The, the heraldry is seems to be about image making. Uh, uh, once we start complicating that with early modern phenomenologies uh, about vision, about optical illusion, about what's what seeming is, then then, yeah, all bets are off in terms of like just how uh, uh, chimeric we can get. On that note. In the in the in the most serpentine of manners, yeah. <laughs> um, that most bitter of plants. I feel like I, you know, segues sometimes flow and sometimes they don't. Um, <laughs> but wormwood is interesting because why the hell have we? How have we escaped talking about wormwood? Mm. I, it, we both had to go back through our list and be like, "Are you sure?" And it might be in our list, and we're just really bad at seeing things. But <laughs> wormwood is definitely on the like, you know, are we doing a Astaroth thing here? But I don't know. But um, wormwood is, along with with its you know cousin mugwort, mm. and and a few other plants, rosemary and 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 basil, is like quintessential Western neo pagan revival of, of like this is a plant everybody knows, mm. and everybody feels that they have a connection to wormwood, mm. and everybody loves wormwood, and there's it has the added added benefit of I don't I didn't mean that so I didn't mean that sounds so. Um, condescending. It's just that it, it is one of those plants that everybody's like, no, I I, I work with wormwood. Um, yeah. And this notion of working with, right? How, how how modern is that? But it is also one of the ones that's commonly cited as, cited as like, I have an ally in wormwood. This this Artemisia absinthus, absinthium of, of that gives the absinthe lore um, all with it, that the green fairy is something that we can externalize, uh, talk about other people's experiences, often to the point where you see people just parroting Periading, 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 um, 
other people's experiences of wormwood as their own as well. And, yeah. and, and to the point of like its own drunkenness, which is fascinating. Um, the, the bitter is there. This is, yeah, no, this is great. And I, I think an important one because it's, it's another example of various bedevilries uh, being again, uh, I don't want to say conflated, but like filed away together under a, a shift from uh, many devils to one, the devil, right. That, that Wormwood has so many contexts for, dealing with pests as well as that which springs up from the from the slither of them i mean that's the the most typical sort of biblical uh historiola for wormwood is that it emerges as the the serpent who is ejected from the garden as well uh slithering on his belly as opposed to pogoing around it, it, it's said to to spring up in 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 their wake as they are ejected from 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 the garden so we've got contexts later on for the the fall of the house of god or the house of the devil in 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 the tower that we'll get to later but overall we have this idea of wormwood and its bitterness being a uh, a two-edged sword uh that we can use usefully to digest things to uh, to ward off little pests or big pests of the mind, of the body, uh, of our clothes, of our, uh, of our of our other crops, of our drunkenness, of our intoxication, as well as itself having those beautiful uh, thujones, right? Also found in sage and tansy and cedar trees that give it its status as like the poet's concoction, right? Uh, whether or not we're talking about, you know, Rembo or, or Wild or, or any of those, you know, uh, libertinous uh, uh, writers. I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by how it is used to deter and also to intoxicate, I guess, that it has demonic contexts as well as uh, uh, soteriological ones, right? So, I mean, we can we can start in a number of of of, of places. Uh, the 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 word is probably derived from Old English verbod, uh, which might mean something like defend the mind. And it's only later that that by backtribution starts to be twisted as wood of worms or wood to or, or wart against worms, plant against pests mm. uh, of various sorts. We we also have for its its naming that it's an Artemisia because. Uh, I believe the herbarium of Apuleius claims that Diana or Artemis delivers the herbs to, Hier- uh, to Chiron the healer, and hence it is, is referred to as Artemisius. Um, later on, we'll get wreaths of it called St. John's Girdle, and this idea that, that, that John the wild man uh, isn't just uh, adorned in animal skins, but also in, uh, in, 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 in wormwood. In, in terms of other names for it, uh, as well as common wormwood, uh, which we can distinguish from a couple of other kinds. I, I, uh, it's sometimes called green ginger and mm-hmm. sometimes called crown for a king, uh, which is a nice one. In terms of just the the, the nomenclature of it, because I, I know you you know far more about um, the actual sort of like morphology and it's 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 like, a, you know, more official uh, herbology. Uh, it's one of the few words in the Enochian corpus uh, that we have for a particular plant, <laughs> or tetan or tetan which is one of the very few named plants along with like oak, which we've talked about as, as, as being potentially therefore a, a word we can use for, for any tree. Yes, absolutely. So I love this idea of it being defend the mind that it, as the leaves resist putrefaction and it's so used in antiseptics that it's bitterness is used as an infusion for appetite after illness mm-hmm. um, to aid in digestion. As a link to, to maybe get in later, 
I love the the context of it being uh, specifically a cure for flatulence as well, and that it changes the the, the bad smells that um, that certain demons are, are marked with for for more pleasant aromas or, or just an absence of them in total. Uh, but primarily, it's used to drive away worms, to expel tapeworms, threadworms, and roundworms from humans as well as cats and dogs. Uh, you see uh, uh, bunches of it hung in chicken coops against flies uh, and lice uh, and fleas. And you even start to see uh, Dioscorides uh, recommends adding wormwood to ink to deter mice from eating your papyrus that you're writing on. Mm-hmm. And it's this example that Culpepper runs with because he loves because he, he he loves it being martial. And he, in fact, like loves it so much that he goes off like like with Mugwort on a whole tangent about like Mars gets a bad rap, yo. Like uh, unsurprisingly, the herbalist has some strong opinions about Mars. Right. Um, but he says it's, it's not just a destroyer because he says he repeats this. He says, mix a little wormwood with your ink and neither rats nor mice will touch the paper is written with it. Uh, and then Mars isn't a destroyer. It's a preserver, right? Well, it's a destroyer of dreams for the mice. Right, 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 right. Who's destroyer? Like, yeah, yeah. who is the soldier fighting for? Right, exactly. And then you 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 get, along with the, the kind of scriptural or the like post-lapsarian historiola, you also get it as a biblical totem of calamity and sorrow, as in like Proverbs 5, 4, uh, her end was as bitter as wormwood, right? And the the later reference in uh, oh gosh like uh, Revelations right where it's uh, a star that has has fallen from from the heavens right yeah. Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 there fell a great star from heaven burning as if it were a lamp and the name of the star is called Wormwood and so this this context of of, of on the one hand having this very definitive use to um, expel things that are bad it then starts to be used uh, in or concurrently uh, starts to be used in a variety of um, of beers as well. So it's a quick way of making, of, of A, if you put too much sugar in it, that the bitterness uh, covers that in good like mixologist secrets in the alchemy of like, you know, things tasting good uh, after you've like buggered them up in some way. Uh, but that therefore it starts to be used for its intoxicating qualities as well. And that's, you know, where we get a lot of the, the later ideas about it being the liquor of poets Ernest Dawson will say in, in 1967 that absinthe has the power of the magicians. It can wipe out or renew the past and annul or foretell the future. And I also really like, if we're, if we're quoting poets on absinthe, just briefly, I really like Oscar Wilde's because it, it escalates and it also yes. talks about this kind of tearing away of the, the doors of the the, 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 the shriving of the doors of perception, right? After the first class, you see things as you wish they were. So, so very demonic, right? This, 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 mm-hmm. this mirage, this sense of like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if things were like this? This reaching of hope of constructing your, you know, uh, your stately pleasure dome decreed, right? After the second, you see things as they are not, right? So very structuralist here. You start to see the gaps and the absences and the uh, and the collapses, right? Finally, when you see uh, 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 in the third class, you see things as they really are. And this, mm-hmm. says Wilde, is the most horrible thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. His his comparison or the question of what's the difference between a glass of absinthe and a sunset or, um, quote, drunk on the sly with fear of treason. And if I drink no longer, it is for good reason. <laughs> um, I, and certainly the Green Fairy is, is that turn of the century you know, fixed in with like the the intellectual Satanism, like Catholicism, heresy, magic, Kabbalah, arts, 
the 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 revolution of people's you know spirit and thought into something of calling for a universality the increase of the train um and transportation and eventually flight and everything that goes with that all seems wrapped up in this notion of the green fairy as like the quintessential spirit of uh a generation that isn't is more than a generation if a generation is 30 years there's like a 90 year period that's just like absent and to the point where like in the states, the the long time illegal uh, selling of absinthe, uh, procuring of absinthe, uh, allows still there to be this notion that like it doesn't even have wormwood in it anymore, and it's still called absinthe because it needs to be made for trade. And absinthe itself is primarily usually an anisette flavored drink that is you know highly sweetened to counteract the effects of you know the freaking bitter herbs that are all over it, right. but the notion of like going to NOLA and going to the absinthe bars before they, you know, it wasn't even real absinthe still, but it was like, we're going to pretend we're going to pretend that it is. And now it is because you can actually drink. It is, it has been legal again since the, the Barack Obama era, I believe specifically to, to buy and purchase, but you also get the division between um, the French and the Czech and the Czech is much more harsh and is done in shots uh, mm-hmm. oftentimes and the French, which is louched, right. And has this beautiful white opalescent quality of like, the, the ritualization of that process and the lovely Art Nouveau naked ladies being the fairies that you're talking with as... Special spoons for every drink, yes. Yes. Um, and I do love a specialized tool, don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, the justification for absinthium of, of the Artemisia to be of, of almost every planet by different people uh, speaks because if the minute you start to over-familiarize yourself with something, that thing can become all things. We can justify it all. And certainly through the anatomy of the plant, we can justify that all planets, of course, have a connotation to it. But whether we're t- describing the lunar, uh, the Venusian, the Marshall, the Saturnine, the Jupiterian, um, it, the, these things are not lost here. They, they, there's uh, solar, you know, it's a, it's a plant that loves full sun and has little yellow flowers. So it's there. it's all there. And I think it speaks to its, um universal appeal i don't say universality but i you know trying to go away from that i think uh, i always associate with the the wisdom of solomon because i think it's specifically in morocco that the tea is called sheba and had, i don't believe it has any connotation to the queen of sheba but my brain it has a connotation to the queen of sheba um mm-hmm. because of this and so uh it's also vermouth, right? Is named for this 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 fortified wine. The, the yeah. wine doesn't go bad. It doesn't mold because of the it, adding alcohol and often something like a bitter flavor, uh, yeah. which helps yeah. wormwood itself does help preserve things. Yeah, yeah, Roman um, wormwood, uh, which is and said, I'm said to be the most delicate and least powerful of the wormwoods. Yeah, reminded how like on the west coast, being a Californian, of uh, our native mugworts on the left coast. Are actually stronger in thujone content than most wormwoods, hmm. uh, Douglasy. So, like the Artemisia Douglasy that is California or Mexican wormwood, has more thujone and possibilities to poison the fuck out of you as well. Um, you know the the attraction towards the color yellow that is noted. The idea that the impressionists themselves are all spinning off of those first few absinthe addicts and their obsession with light patterns and the color yellow and the bright spectrum of colors around lights and fire and how those things move um, is quite fascinating. I think because of its vermifugic qualities and it's known that it, you know, like strewing it around the house, it's, it has a sweet smell in its leaves as well as that bitterness that comes that does get rid of fleas. And that's 
Very helpful. I, I, I don't know it to work as effectively on ticks personally. I think guinea hens are a better remedy. <laughs> but I, 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 I love how uh, beloved this plant is. It is rare. Like we can talk about basil. And like, if you're a chef, you're like, yes, basil. And rosemary, like if you're, if you like rosemary, you like rosemary. I know you, Al, to like rosemary. Mm-hmm. However, like Wormwood has love songs across <laughs> 200 years of artists and magicians that are just like, hello, this is my plant. I love this plant. It is the Lianan Shi of our, <laughs> of our calling, I suppose. Although I, I don't know you have to go into her now, but calling the plant green ginger, I had forgotten about. And I remember in watching, in, in doing my due diligence for this episode of Rosalie Norton's favorite drink, is green ginger wine, which has nothing to do with wormwood, as far as I know. It is actually a a, uh, a raisins and pounded ginger. Uh, oh, I know it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know yeah. well. So this is apparently Rosalie Norton's like fond of the green ginger. Um, I I really enjoyed. If you haven't seen it, um, the the Witch of King's Cross. It was uh, I think right now it's on um, the the Prime. I'll I'll fail to say the the, <laughs> the mother house. Of, of corporate aristocracy, but uh, it is ve- viewable there and it was on Netflix for a while. I don't think it's currently on Netflix. I could not find it. Um, not to just name all these names of places. Go see The Witch of King's Cross. I'm sure it's viewable, piratable something, uh, but I think it's important uh, also because it's really lovely when there's an hour and there are people that knew her in life and there's a context for someone's life so well given that you get little snippets like she loved her green ginger wine right. and that means that you know a fucking perfect offering to call up right. the shade of rosaline norton and talk to her about the demon legion uh <laughs> and perhaps about you know the other green ginger so i i i love the natural weird segue that that provides as well even though it's probably not we're not necessarily moving on to rosaline at this time no, but we can we can we can keep backing and forthing, and I think that's one of the 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 really interesting things of like get you a wormwood that can do both, right? On the one hand, it's meant to keep <laughs> your spirits at bay, right? Like it, like 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 many uh, vermifuges are, it's said to drive goblins away, but it can also deprive you of courage, right? And 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 can call uh, the dead, uh, for instance, visions of returning spirits of the of the mighty dead. Uh, is one account I, I read. Like like you said, it's a beloved uh, wart. And so it's used in all sorts of incenses for psychic work. It's as well as the fact that the, you know, the absinthe of it deteriorates the nervous system uh, and, co- and can cause in, in high doses attacks similar to epileptic seizures. So it's one of those like- It gives, it gives the holy disease when taken right, exactly, too strongly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, one of the, it's one of those like protectors who is a bad man but better than the other worst spirits, right? It's not a, it's not a, I mean, uh, there are certain artists that called it uh, holy water, but like, it's not, you know, to compare to, I don't know, Angelica, which has, or which has so much like archangel stuff to it. It isn't, uh-huh. it isn't protective against evil stuff because, uh, because it's so good. It's that it's better at being evil. And yeah. it's, it's, it's the watchdog, whose uh, pointy teeth are facing outwards from Well, that's a lovely reason for it to be fairy, right? And and to understand that, you know, on the far side of hell is fairy, that, that you know, right. when limbo is ended, you know, when uh, the first layer of hell is no longer needed because Jesus has harrowed it and yeah. the good pagans have nowhere to go uh, except up, then, you know, fairy moves in. And this notion of of being craftier, of out-deviling the devil, 
yeah. uh, um, you know, it's Satan and Lucifer are, are conceptually different in their natures. But it always speaks of, of not just uh, warding, but binding as well. And it's said to strengthen and how it can bind, but therefore also, you know, potentially binds us to our own addictions or habits or being lost in vision as opposed to, uh, you know, acting through vision. Yes, the, uh, the, the, the Pazuzu effect. I, mm. I, I love a good Pazuzu um, to control uh, other demons. The demon right. you know. Right. Yeah. Right. And, right. yeah. And acts against all sorts of the, the common things that uh the the nastier demons uh might try and launch against you and your your good daimones, right? Or your helpful daimones, right? It's um it's used to uh check melancholy uh and sickness in the loins to make the eyes clear. It will strengthen your heart, prevent your lungs from becoming sick, warm your stomach, purge your intestines, and furnish you with good digestion. Right, that that you aren't stuck bitterly gnawing on that which cannot be digested of these, you know, mysterious yeah. messages from spirits. I think also speaking to Wormwood's easily identifiable nature, right? Mm-hmm. Of trying to, it's a plant that does not look like others necessarily. Once you start to study plants, and I think on that note too, one of the common descriptions of the color of Wormwood is verdigris. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a this is a quick easy transition, but. I think it is fascinating here because verdigris as it's as it's now as its description of a color is is referring to the verdigris most usually of copper, which is itself poisonous, but a desired coloring of copper, which yeah. also is a lovely way of showing the metal of Venus going from red and that um, uh, I was going to say vulvic flush. Wow, that was descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the rush of blood to the genitals as being a reddening and the act of sex itself being martial, but turning itself to a venereal uh, fertility in its mm-hmm. greening. Um, that We speak of the greening as a positive thing of a person towards nature, of being one with uh, the, the greening world, the viriditas of, of Hildegard of Bingen, to this verdigree of and patina at least on the surface of of copper to give that beautiful oxidized uh, color that that we see similarly in other poisonous uh stones like malachite um but turquoise azurite and other things that that where copper is so prominently evident yeah. um and copper itself being the metal of venus so hugely as well as just the the red metal which has its own connotations in other traditions itself of being the metal of fire and desire and of of the lightning that that starts fires it is it is the red-headed stepchild of the metal world most metals are (laughs) white or what are called white metals and that gold and copper are two huge exceptions and that a little bit of copper now turns things to look like gold Mm-hmm. Um, that, that even a little bit of, of bad red wine reminds us of the good red wine we once drank. <laughs> right, 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 right. Some some like really fundamental sanguine and Venusian mysteries there, right? Yeah. Uh, I was struck in looking at uh, the, the history of copper that um, in the Roman era, it was mined uh, primarily in Cyprus, in, in, in the yes. birthplace of Aphrodite, right? The, 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 the Cyprian one. And the origin of the name of the metal, uh, which I can't believe I didn't know, was, was Ascyprium. Yeah. Uh, metal of Cyprus, which is later corrupted to cuprum in Latin and becomes copper or copper in Old English. Uh, 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 and we, we have records of that from at least like 1530 or something. Uh, which which lovingly plays on our on our lovely sorcerer saint, right? Of, yeah. of, of Cyprian. And also just that, that notion, because uh, which uh, just 
at the time of this recording, there was a huge earthquake in Antakya, I believe yesterday, um, which is Turkey's had it very rough. But I was thinking about that of like the, the historical uh, closeness of Antakya and it's neighboring right across that little gap to Cyprus, which Antakya being the the, the holy city of, of, of Cyprian and Justina. But it, it is fascinating. So uh, uh, I do something, help people, um, you know, thoughts and prayers, vibes and whatever. Fuck that. Um, but uh, help people uh, when you can, please. Uh, that said, the notion of Cy- Cyprium, uh, and it's not to Cyprian, and the, the uh, flagging in many ways, the hiring of Cyprian to, you know, supernaturally rape and subjugate Justina, um, yeah. which, which doesn't work. Dr. Love, with all of the inverted commas around that that come yeah. from the kind of people that introduce themselves as Dr. Love at a bar or something. One of the the main things about like the historicity, <laughs> if we will, of copper, uh, is that it's a native metal, right? It's uh, it's one of the, the 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 few of them that can occur in nature as directly usable in its like metallic form. And as a result, you know, we have we have records of people, human people, using it uh, very very early in lots of different regions uh, from at least like eight thousand years before common era, right? That uh, we get eventually, you know, we'll get uh, the Bronze Age named around, you know, uh, I mean, not named around 3,500, but uh, uh, later uh, uh, labeled as uh, beginning around 3,500 uh, before common era by by mixing it with tin. Um, we also have it as the first metal to be cast into a, a shape in a mold around 4,000 BCE. Uh, one of the first metals to be smelted from uh, sulfide ores around 5,000 BC. Um, but we've got copper pendants uh, found in northern Iraq uh, that date to 87,000 BCE. So we've been been wearing it uh, uh, for for whatever reasons for a very, very, very long time. Uh, and I even found an example in, in the archaeology of, of um, uh, Otsi the Iceman, uh, is the, the, the bloke dated from around 3300, uh, 3200 BCE, who's found... But we didn't go see. You, neither you nor I went and saw him when we were close, right? No, no, missed him. Oh, missed opportunity. Future yeah. field trip, let's say. Future right. potential. Yeah. He, he's waited this long. He'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> he was found with an axe with a copper head, which was n- uh, 99.7% pure copper, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in light of our green things that are also potentially great poisons, um, I also learned that there were um, that, that uh, a bunch of archaeologists have suggested that Otzi himself may have been involved in copper smelting because of the high levels of arsenic in his hair. Uh, mm. So again, the 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 axe um, that itself is wrought from uh, dealings with poisonous things is 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 just really fascinating to me. The last uh, thing I, I had to say about the the archaeology or the 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 history of the uh, of, of copper's metallurgy is that apparently, and I have looked no further into this than than, than, a, than a casual uh, reference on Libra Wikipedia, is that it was also used in uh, derogotypes, uh, if I'm saying that right, um, that it's used in uh, image, like, uh, like yeah. uh, proto-photography. I use uh, that as daguerreotypes, but derogotypes, I like. Daguerreotypes, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which I think of as like, you know, I know it's not all Victorian porn, but I think of it uh, mostly as like, you know, uh, 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 
salacious images of 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 people showing their ankles off yeah. and in some cases a lot more but yeah just that the 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 metal of venus and the metal that's been associated with venus for the longest time as well uh is also employed in this uh, image making itself daguerreotypes are, are their own fascinating thing right because there's a whole culture of kind of reviving that amongst yeah. um let's say hipster photographers and, <laughs> and i mean that in the best way because it's a very difficult process to to not like hurt yourself with and daguerreotypes are notoriously um far more accurate than photographic paper but it also very fragile the thing i think of with with copper uh that was my rabbit hole in the research is because i have a we have a good friend uh rebecca who was uh conceived with a copper iud in in her mother's womb and they blame her red hair on that which i find fascinating but the whole notion of a copper iud which causes more bleeding than other types of metal is that copper itself creates a hostile environment for sperm. And the mm. sperm is less likely to be able to implant itself in the, in the uterine lining um, uh, into the egg and then into the uter- uterine line, the egg, the fertilizing into the uterine lining. I, I kind of shorthanded that all into one inaccurate biological statement, um, <laughs> but uh, that in creating a hostile environment for the sperm creates a hostile environment for the fertilized egg. And therefore you have two counts of, of, of not allowing the pregnancy through a copper coil, just kind of bouncing around inside your uterus. Yeah, uh, the, the, long, the, 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 the more I look at aphrodisiacs and things of fertility, the more, and again, I'll, 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 I'll big it up again, Jennifer Evans, Aphrodisiacs, Fertility in Medicine in Early Modern England, a fantastic book. Again, pointing out that a lot that, that, that for the longest time, medicine and specifically uh, medicine for and by women, did not necessarily distinguish, oh, that's the abortifacent, those are the bad things we don't talk about, and here's the good stuff that makes you healthy and fertile and pop out a million kids. Like that both that the, the the metal of 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 the uh of the, the the virtues and spirits of fertility is also that which can preserve your fertility. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to my notes, copper is repellent to sperm. They it fucks with their swimming patterns and it literally oh. repels them. They know don't go near it. That's fascinating. But that also for 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 what it is, it's there's a lot of complications with them, but they are 99% effective the first year and they're 98% effective the 10th year, such as the power of copper in not allowing sperm to be happy. Um, so I love the kind of Venusian hold by the balls, literally, that that provides. Right, right, right. And that you habituate to its medicines. There's also the notion of since since uh, like new world copper mines, which are, are, are a thing as well. Uh, by the indigenous peoples, uh, because most of the red metals and the gold metals, especially when you get into like, again, my my area of familiarity is more Mesoamerica, those were used solely for art, for artifice, right? They weren't used in weapons except to decorate them because they were using stone uh, weapons, which are which were sharper and more readily available through using mm-hmm. volcanic glass. Mm-hmm. But that because copper comes before iron processing, that when we look at it, it, it often speaks of, you know, you can't use iron or steel in fairy related things and bringing it back to our absinthe fairy in Verdigree, um, yeah. that, that copper tools are allowed, that, yeah. that, that it speaks to some belief or um, progression uh, from copper going through to bronze and iron as being later, and that the copper age is where our fairies perhaps have their origin in, in being, that they are com- comfortable with the conductivity of copper and it's 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 highly conductive nature and it's non-ferric nature um Mm -hmm. that the red metal is 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 acceptable even though it it doesn't hold an edge as well as iron 
Right, right. But there isn't a fundamental transforming and, you know, blood guilt of the earth, like violated that produces uh, the more ferric stuff, right? That the, yes. the, there's, some, there's something to that native thing that you can pick up a piece of it and it is the same kind of thing that's been held for, for literally thousands of years by people uh, and, and resorted to uh, uh, in, in, in dealings with uh, other than human people. Well, and, and metallurgy itself, the copper gives the birth of metallurgy because we're basically trying to figure out how to make copper better yeah. by adding in whether it's tin for bronze or um, zinc for brass um, or the fact that coinage has explicitly, especially when you combine it with nickel and things like our own coins are heavily made up of copper and then surfacely coated um there's a more scientific word for that electroplated plated, no, plated. No, no, yeah I, I was reading this in like like history of, uh, of, of numismatics right that uh that that copper seems to be one of the earliest coins and then the development to using bronze coins is partly so that they'll be shinier so it's more copper than copper yes like that the search for its most valuable properties fuels a, a transformation of the thing to becoming more than it was there's the the correlation of copper then with red ochre um, another sacred substance um, and, and an ancient sacred substance and, and even going past, past there, just the, the redness, the red, the red dust that comes from that. And it's uh, association with uh, native riverine deities in like West Africa, where you go to like the original metals before we're getting to brass and before we're getting to gold is still copper for most of the, the female river deities. And this is partially speaks to their, um, because copper is something to easily see right in the river if there's copper in the area, um, in addition to gold or anything yellow, because it stands out. But this is beloved of the fire gods like Shango, um, that copper is his metal, even though, you know, branches in the diaspora, we don't give metal description, but like the tools in Brazil are made out of copper or red metal that is then, you know, fused with, with zinc to make it less uh, tarnishable. And the, of course, the mirror of copper itself, um, which is speaking to the kind of rivering qualities that copper was one of the first things that you could make a highly reflective surface off of with right. um, and, and could pound it into shape. And so this is uh, quite pronounced. Um, I also think of the, the, if copper is one of the first substances that we heavily mine for, then you're talking about carving uh, passages into the earth mother itself. And which speaks of both the, the pillaging and the raping and the subjugation of the earth to make weapons, but also that if it is something like fire metals and you're thinking of Zeus and the subjugation of Rhea and the and the the raping of the mother that exists in many mythologies for metal gods to do what they do even before we get to iron, but that yeah. iron repeats the same mistakes um, in that way. So if we look towards copper and it's reddening, perhaps. Um, which is a minor thing and it <laughs> transitions who needs them. Um, but the idea in it's in the, however you say, same shaped um, notions. And again, you know, I'm, I'm about to make an Oduifa uh, comparison and this is such a broad topic and I'm trying to keep it to publish things so that I don't um, one piss off my elders or to piss off myself in retrospect and be like, that's not something that necessarily needs to be shared. Um, <laughs> but it also meji. Um, the sounding osun, the the warning, the stability of things. Um, it's an odu of mystery. You know, it's a womb of potential of mystery that we we can't really fully know it. Um, and it has a lot of lore around it. This is the corresponding same shaped uh, of the geometric figure known as uh, Fortuna Minor, correct? That's um, right. All right, I'm just making sure. I'm just double checking along the way so that I don't make a <laughs> 
because that'll happen too. The the reason I speak to Rending is because Irosum does have a hint towards Menses and towards the warning of that drip of red and what that means, the loss of life that is intended by that, which could also be something else as well. I don't know. We talk about Fortuna Minor in the past as being slightly, uh, it's good, but it doesn't bode well for like big success. It's more like the yeah. small things of the day-to-day, um, how did Sam Block put it? The, the falling edge of the wheel of fortune. Hmm. And it preserves things that you've done, but without the promise of any more benefit from them. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't predict loss so much as like, things are not necessarily going to be productive past this point, unless there's more generation of the things that allow for Fortuna Minor to be there. Yeah. And I think there is a similarity there in Irosun of like, the mystery of it there of like um, there's a hint of the, in the kingdom of the blind, the one eyed man is King that goes out with this sign of like those who gouge out an eye to see another blind man uh, more carefully. So I, I, I love the, the similarities for what they are, but the resounding Osun, the, the, the resounding menses and the ancestral lineage notions that come through this. Um, if we're quoting public sources on Odu, but it, it, Odos, Irosun can create a fulfillment of potential. And there is both on the positive manifestation, because with Odu, it is believed that this will manifest, this energy will manifest and your personal, uh, I hate the word vibration, your personal uh, makeup and the decisions that you make in your day-to-day life, especially once this is announced, can lead to a, a positive integration of this potential or a negative integration of this potential. It will manifest either way. There will be integration. So if someone is on the positive side of it, we can talk about um, family guidance and spiritual guidance and the fulfillment of potential in that way. Whereas on the negative side of it, we can talk about the the resistance to ancestral guidance, the resistance to uh, developing your potential. And the problem is that the potential is there. And I'm reminded of a wonderful instructor in college, uh, Gwendolyn Alker, if you're out there, you're stuck in my mind brilliantly, of at some point you have to stop rewarding potential, of you can't endlessly reward potential. The person has to make good on what they are saying they are doing. Yeah, And I think that's an important lesson when Irosun comes up in that way. So I guess that's to say that I'm cutting this off at the, of, at the neck of like, let me talk about the Odu a little bit, because I know that you have, we've talked a lot about um, Fortuna Minor, Minor in the past, but I love the, because the signs are linked by just a modification of their primal word, their pri- their first word, yeah. I think they're the discovering of like, what exactly is minor fortune versus major fortune? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a really fundamental point. I think when we talk about, like you say, the lesser fortunes, the things that aren't bad fortune, it's still good, but it's, you know, uh, as a geomantic figure, it speaks of swift temporary solutions, right? As well as just sheer dumb luck and crucially the help of others. So whether or not that's like the help of our community, you know, it taking a village, it's also a figure that uh, when it appears in readings often encourages us to make the best of a mixed hand of, of ups and downs and to to roll with the punches and to strap in for both the crunchy and the smooth. So it's both the like duct tape that gets you to the finish line, but probably not much further than that, as well as this figure of easy come, easy go that can help us often let go 
and often kind of there's a lot of coasting to it as well. Again, this idea of like you have the potential to do things and so you are let to kind of carry on and and you, you know, you make your own debts and and luck despite the fact that, you know, nothing gold can stay. Um, yeah, it's it's a figure of passing luck, right? And that passing is, I think, a key word because it highlights a lot of its shortcomings as well. It can come through in a pinch, but it can't be relied upon again for consistency, right? Um, there's a there's as as a, as a, as, a, as a, in, in humoral assessments, it's often this kind of mixture of sanguine and choleric, which means it works fast, but it also means that if given the choice of of doing it right or doing it fast, Fortuna Minor is generally going to pick doing it fast. Right. But there's also this air, along with this kind of supposed happy go lucky bluster and coasting, that it also has a hell of a temper if it's confined or forced. And there we see again this split between the the the, the yellows and the golds of this solary figure with a with the red of of of, of choleric temper. Yeah. So there's the yeah, the, the, there's definitely like parallels that we've 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 discussed previously and that I think are, are, are worth raising again in a lot of these contexts, right? Um that it's 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 luck, but it's luck from the wrong side of luck's tracks very often. And 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 at best, it often says, you know, uh, nothing bad can last forever. But again, nothing gold can stay either. I realize that one of the ways we can make this more practical in some ways, and it's a mean that I meant to to explore in the between us both on both sides of it is with something like Fortuna Minor. If you're asking about health and this is the result, what would be? The notion, if you're asking about this with money or career or relationship, how would that bend itself in those ways? Oh, sure. Uh, well, it, it, it often speaks of uh, of some form of passing the buck that you are also dealing with the um, with with the least with the lesser fortune that's been allotted to you, as opposed to other people who might be in more char- in charge more of the circumstances that you are trying to navigate. It can speak of uh, a blustery, but not necessarily terribly technically gifted doctor (laughs) a lot of the time. I mean, in relationships, it can also speak to uh, getting more than one perspective on things, as well as just like, don't worry about it. Dumb luck will will, will see you right. You know, you will find $100 in the street, but you probably won't get that raise. I, uh, I, I reference it a lot. I might have talked about this in a previous episode. It it comes up for a lot of my clients who are trying to keep their head down at an office nine to five while they like write their novel or, um, you know, uh, surf social media or something in that it has these strange qualities of making you uh, known in a place, but not for anything in particular, like not not known by the excellent reputation that, say, Fortuna Majors hard won lasting success gives you, you know, starting your own business, standing on your own feet, all that like sovereignty of the sun. It's very much uh, uh, Lady Fortuna's fickle favor um, where no one can quite remember what it is you do in the office. Uh, and so you are left alone with a certain degree of like passing, coasting invisibility, but not enough uh, that anyone could point at what you actually do. Which can be its own, own, own shortcoming and, and, and downfall as well. There's a notion in uh, when Irosun Meji is talked about of, or Irosun in general, of kind of being lost in the sauce or like the forest for the trees mentality. That there's mm-hmm. so much potential, but if you're not clearly eyes on the prize, you will get lost. Yeah, and that's that's the good side, right? That like there is folk incredible hyper focus possible here. But it is not your, you know, you're going, you're getting stuck in the day-to-day trappings uh, as opposed to the big success that is still possible in this yeah. sign. It can flip to to being great success. 
but I think there's um, the, it, and one of the things that's a remedy, of course, in all Odoifa is character, which we will still talk about. But the, the idea that the force of your conduct, your, your prior works, which also builds up relationships with people around you, have, have given you the tools to further your, your evolution in any circumstance. Um, and that's why it's character is applicable in, in, in all Odu in that way, because this is, you know, it's not the end of the world, no matter what you have, as long as you have life, you can find the other blessings that come with that, you know, just, uh, you know, you can go on the wheel of fortune anytime, uh, both literally and figuratively. Character is a great thing to race here, actually, uh, because I, I, I just had to look it up because I was like, there's something else to this. So yeah, it, speaking of like medical stuff, uh, it's 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 diseases both sanguine and choleric uh, and shows the sick person to be in great danger but shall recover so again it's the like it's bad but it's not like the worst but it also this is the one I, I remembered from the sixth it signifies faithful servants but slothful and unprofitable right so it's not it's not servants that will deliberately betray you or steal from you but also it's not necessarily help around you that is like the most conducive to to building any kind of lasting success. And so okay. again, we're back to we're back to like uh, the 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 good success is that which comes from good character, not from just like lucking out or from just having to be happening to have been there. So they they ascribe the no one knows what lies at the bottom of the ocean except God and and or and or Olokun in the, as a refrain for the refrain for this sign. And I think the difference between the Ide and the Osogbo of this is, um, or the positive and negative manifestations is. One, open your eyes no matter what. But when you are on the negative manifestation, you can't see anything even when you're opening your eyes. You're so lost. And uh, this is, this is uh, you know, the remedy of like, you know, you've got to stop and rest and plan and reevaluate where you're going. If this is about a business, then like we need, you need to cross the I's and dot the T's, you know, don't go for it. Don't, 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 nothing frayed, nothing dirty. Don't, don't, don't emphasize the holes of things. Make sure everything is perfectly, uh, you know, beyond reproach because there's going to be a lot of, double checking things that are often right. hidden from sight or that are beyond your normal sight literally and without going into too many manifestations because Odu is also wonderfully shrouded in like the remedies and this is provided through cultural context and 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 learning and and the sacrifices that are made to do those things i do think there's a philosophical um dare i call it that um approach to like talking about what this can signal and um i think that's also part of the beauty of where this podcast first came from was our discussion across culturally in broad strokes about these, about geometric figures and Odu and otherwise. So I'm, uh, I think uh, Irosu Miji is a, is a is a wonderful way to kind of flag like, yeah, you can't get too in depth with this shit because then it can lead to false impressions. Um, yeah. In the same way that like asking you how this applies in health, wealth, you know, inheritance or otherwise is not to substitute for re- you know an, a, a a known reader that can interpret right. well for you. Right, 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 right. To, you to give a general flavor. We still yeah. Want to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the womb has to has to has to birth into particular circumstances, right? Like it, like it, it's about the actual landing of it in a reading and what else is going on that yeah. tempts it, that um, that specifies it. Uh, that these figures don't ever live on their own in right. your system. That there's right. either a shield derivation, or even if you're deriving, you know, a, a quick, you know, a, you know, final court 
of two yeah. witnesses and, and 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 a judge, or if you're which which Ifa does something sim, similar things but derives them separately, or Dilagun might manifest in, in what we call the, the you know the conversation, the, the the prescription and the conversation. But the that what we're dealing with here is that these these signs and Odu out of context do not give the remedy that they can give when given a context, which is mm-hmm. transmitted through the tradition. And I find that kind of warning encapsulated in this sign pretty well. Yeah. No, I love that. Uh, yeah, we can continue to 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 pick at that as we kind of circle a, a, around. But I I feel like we are hopefully inexorably kind of moving towards thinking about how these specificities aren't just about oh exceptions to the rule that prove it or uh, showing off how much you know, but are also about again not just saying oh this figure has this many legions and not this many, but rather how do we work with it in terms of developing our practice and developing ourselves. And at that point, we are talking not just about how do I get out of this particular jam, but also how the reading can help us set ourselves up for success in terms of uh, <laughs> of spiritual development, whatever that means. Of, 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 and that's really where like researching to think about the type of magic of, of building good character, I think really shines. Yes, I think I think um, as further contextualization of that, I think that character is an easy permutation moving through this. And I think also, you know, because we don't, Alan and I talk all the time, but we don't always talk about things we talk on the show. But or or go a plan? What is plan? <laughs> um, uh, I have only so many spoons for planning every day, and this show is not one of them usually. Uh, so welcome to the new era. Um, but the idea that we've toyed with not with perhaps god forbid no longer including geomantic figures necessarily in our in our sesame streeting um which i hope is not a copyright violation i have turned the sesame street into a gerund and therefore it is productively new but that i think this is great insight as to why it's great to keep them in is that we don't have to go in depth that not only is there a wealth of knowledge out there there's literally a wealth of knowledge from you alone on your writing on this and <clears throat> future published books, um, but also the resources that are out there in huge amounts by 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 friends and colleagues like Sam and and otherwise that are out there that, that this is part of the beauty of it and let alone Odu, which is you know expansive culture specific, but there are things in English now and online on you know and the internet and the great Alexandria that is the internet, um, both good and bad, that mm-hmm. it allows us to um, gloss over these things in a quick way, provide uh, new thoughts how it ties into things that we're being taught about, talk, talking about, and in some ways ends up becoming a figure for the other things discussed that day, which yeah. is an interesting way to look at it. So I think, uh, you know, we we picked a, a kind of open-ended thing with discussing Legion, which allowed a, a lot of permutation. I think character equally provides us something to talk about because it is not something inherently or, or perhaps openly discussed in the western paradigm as much in the sense that perhaps it's written into the grimoires and it's understood that the person should be a, a person of virtue and the fasting and the praying and the the diet restrictions and things like this that are leading to a person or, or performing a person of good character for a certain amount of time so as to be you know to to have the audacity to uh call upon the lineage that you know names you second only to adam in your ability to to call upon things and in addition to, let's say, the traditions like like the Avifa or Odisha, which outwardly name character as one of the primary goals 
uh, and and like special abilities that you should attain through these workings, through these through the worship of Yorisha and manipulation is that good character, not just character, but in English, I think we say they have strong characters implying good character. And there are obviously landmarks as to what good character might be, but that the weaponry of good character in Orisha, as, as I'm just spoken about, is that you'll be able to weather any circumstance, collect your resources and move forward mm. and get the blessings, i.e. Uh, pursue the dreams that you have in this lifetime, regardless of what happens to you, not because bad things don't happen, but because your character affords you not to go off the rails and lose yourself. And that it is not a judgment when people don't aren't able to do this, but the structure of, of specifically Fa is trying to get you to be able to go to diviners who can guide you back on the way towards how you exhibit your character how you might get advice when you don't be aren't able to give yourself any um, in this way, which speaks to the role of divination. But I do think that that we do would do well in in all magical paradigms to discuss or at least understand what we mean by character, and especially in in contrast to the 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 archetype of the witch, right, of the poisoner, of the mm. rebellion against fate, and where does character fit into? this you know weird definition of witchcraft that i have that both allows for the non-human entities of witch as well as the human entities claiming to be witch and how does that fit in and where does that where does that go and is it simply that you know if is it just uh to to follow my my oft quoted fields of of blood um with karen anderson of like you know is it just religion justifying the state over and over again as it has since time immemorial of like as long as we're on the same side, then what you do exhibits good character. And that if you speak out against me, but then there's also enemies um, historically who can say that person is honorable, even as my enemy mm. and honor and character get conflated there in, in anyway. But these notions of courage and trustworthiness and integrity and respect, courtesy, responsibility, which includes accountability and perseverance and, and mm. self self-control as well as fairness and justice that, that seem to be very intrinsically tied into notions of character and 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 gratitude uh reciprocity good what is good citizenship and is it something that is specifically important for the magician um i will say that you know making law as it is sometimes called um is is wonderful for the magician to blend in right like you if you act normal you're going to get the benefits of appearing normal if you want to dress and walk a certain way that is your right but you will not necessarily intrinsically share in the blending in of things that you are doing, right? There's, there's, there's a couple of things about this. Firstly, is that like, when we talk about like strong character or good character, we're kind of talking about the tangible actions that trace what what I, I feel like a lot of pre-modern writers would talk about as the soul and as the spirit outside of any particular uh, theological metaphysic. Uh, uh, towards like what it, what does it actually look like to do those things right sure um, to to worship Jesus is to live the good life but like what does that actually look like right what does good heart and good action uh, uh, combine as and and combine from yeah there there are a couple notions here I, I I love that you raised like the the how this should offer things to chew on for folks uh you know drawn to expressions of personal power or of like the transgressions of how witchcraft can be framed and those kinds of things um that we're talking about power we're talking about control self-control uh we're talking also about like who you are as as how you act right and and the performance of self and the performance of good self 
performance of of self that is good at being gooder, right? That you know, we're talking about good habit versus like bad habits, talking about like limitation and who we are in those contexts, uh, as well as like how power corrupts, right? As well as uh, uh, concepts of like how we're remembered, right? And 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 and, and reputation and things. So I, yeah. I, anyway, a, b- a bunch of different things like that that, that kind of came up for me. I, I I had a bunch of quotes that I was going to kind of throw at you because I feel like I've, I've I've vaguely sort of ordered them in a way that made sense at the time. I don't know if they will uh, uh, in 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 actually performing them. But okay, right. So if we have the idea of good character as how we grow and learn, right? Character is good heart and good action. There's um a, a a quote attributed to Martin Luther King Jr. where he says, intelligence plus character is the goal of true education, right? Like the, the ongoing always learning thing. Mm. Uh, and, and I like that because it, it, on the one hand says like, yes, uh, you know, the, 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 the lovely uh, D&D attribute distinguishing between intelligence and wisdom, right? Intelligence is knowing it's raining, wisdom, it's knowing it's good to, to not get too wet because you'll get a cold. Right. Like, w- sure. Learning is is uh, like learning as like abstract and, and, and we might even call the, the archive is, is is great. But the but the repertoire of character is is really also what education and the and the fostering of wisdom should provide. Right. Uh, so, so we have this idea of, of of head and heart as well in a, in a lovely way. An interesting like kind of contrast to that is the idea of like what is unintelligent or what is um, reactive or what is not fostered by uh, alignment with good or, or bettering self, right? Uh, so you get um, Dale Carnegie in uh, in their infamous How to Win Friends and Influence People saying any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do, but it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. I don't think this is just self-control, you know, uh, to be nice, right? Nice to be nice, as, as, as Dylan Thomas wonderfully puts it. And to not just act as if you're nice, but to act nicely, right? Um, and the idea of, 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 of understanding and forgiveness also being part of good character, not just because people will like you, but because it's it, the, 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 there's a core of how it is, is enacted there. And then, and then you get this, like, as I was, I was thinking about this, then you get this notion of, of character being what you do because of who you are or uh, how you act you or how you act as you. I don't know if the as is, is appropriate for talking simile or direct metaphor there. But the quote attributed to uh, former UCLA basketball coach John Wooden is that character is who you are when no one's watching. I like how Dose One puts it, character is what you are in the dark. And, and so here we have a notion of like what you would do without someone else telling you what you could and couldn't do. Right. Some of the, 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 the better points that like some of the new atheist crowd make about uh, religious or, 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 or centralized state authority telling you not to murder should not be the only thing that stops you murdering. Right. I already do the amount of murdering I like to do, which is zero. Right. Um, <laughs> but this, this idea of, of what you do if, if no one stops you also brings in uh, a great dimension of how we approach power and, and privilege, I guess. Um, and that leads to uh, a quote that I found ascribed to Abigail van Buren, who says, the best index to a person's character is how they treat people who can't do them any good, how they treat people who can't fight back. And this is this is that that great litmus test of like, how do people talk to white staff? Right. That that should be, a you know, a big uh, a big red flag, or, uh, you know, on, on dates or what have you. Right. Like, how does how does someone treat someone that that they don't need to be nice to? Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's a version of like, they don't need to have those limits and yet there's still, there's still some social bounding of that. And that's really where I think the, 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 the conversations for me as someone very interested in, in, in like, oh, anarchism as a, as a, 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 a an approach, as a way, as a, as a do, as a tau, as a, um, as a personal engagement with, with power and a personal uh, reflection on power like that's that's really where we start to talk about power as a as a test of character right john waxwell says that uh in the hands of a person of integrity power is of tremendous benefit in the hands of a tyrant it causes terrible destruction which is really just another way of saying like character is who we are without limits is still who we are in the dark but it's what we do in the dark uh and what we do even in the light of people who can't stop us and then that 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 got me thinking about tyranny as something that is defined after the fact, uh, although also often, what's that that quote, only evil men live to see their own likeness in stone, right? Uh, so I guess maybe you see tyranny when it's when it's established as tyranny, but like a uh, quote from uh, Wayne Dw- uh, Dyer about um, your reputation is in the hands of others. Uh, that's what a reputation is. You can't control that. Uh, the only thing you can control is your character. So here we have the idea that character is how we're remembered and our lasting contribution that outlasts us. So it's not just about making other people around you feel nice. It's also about leaving the world in a better place than, 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 than how you found it this time around. And, 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 and I guess all of these kind of come together in, in this notion of, I don't know, this, this back to wisdom, I guess, and wisdom being won by the coin of hardship very often, uh, this idea. And again, back to this idea that, that the character might be the tangible actions that trace the soul, that like a soul is grown, is forged, is worked on, is developed, right? Isn't just a, a, a weird glowy thing that doesn't show up on our senses, you know, infused into everyone. And as a, a quote attributed to, to Helen Keller, she says, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition inspired, and success achieved. And so, all all of these kind of concepts were, were like ringing in a, in a series of like braiding and unbraiding kind of threads of of what we mean when we talk about developing character, not just on our own, not just who we are in the dark, but who we are in the dark. You know, one of my my questions with this is is like, how is this beneficial to the magician? Especially when we allow for, like, again, the poison or the witch, the rebel, the rebellion against fate that I that I personally ascribe to an important part of my definition of witchcraft, the rebellion against fate, or the rebellion mm. against the, the flow of as is, and perhaps the invocation of as if, you know. However, I am, here's a specific example. So one of the markers uh, cited in the the grand study of the different um, what are quote unquote called Umbanda or Umbandesque uh, traditions. And I use Umbandesque in the sense that many of these traditions aren't identifying themselves as Umbanda, but will be classified under a larger umbrella of Umbanda, which is the yeah. spiritist religion, most commonly attributed to Celio Samurais, codifying it in the early 20th century. But we know that various forms of it existed 80 years, 100 years before, arising out of the what is called low spiritism of the everyday folk practice of, of the Congolese uh, and the Fombe and the Yoruba uh, slaves that were were um, imprisoned and, and enslaved and brought to Brazil, and and the way that those groups are interacting with the new location, as well as new material, as well as uh, integration of that material through uh, various forms of syncretization, including um, the 
very complex notions of, of, you know, advancing the race as it is called to move up the social ladder through intermarriage and, and the projection of how learning must be talked about in a certain way and codified. Like, again, is it the description of the spirit that is actually being told or does the spirit appear in those ways when we're talking about specifically Latin American traditions? It's hard to tell because the historical record only allows for the description to be said in certain ways. And anything that contradicts that is, is, is a whole other study. But what I'm getting at specifically here is there is a, a group of practices called Omoloco, which um, exist in the 1930s, definitely documented at the rise of when Umbanda was being codified and um, this understanding of the whitening of Brazil, which is a very complex matter on the historical end, but affects it on the religious end, where um, Brazil is importing Europeans to stop the uh, racial disparity by hoping that these Europeans who would be given land in Brazil uh, for free in, or in, in in trade for coming and setting up roots um, would then interbreed with local African populations that had been brought there through slavery. And there's a lot of uh, weird intentional, uh, you know, eugenics and other things going on here. There is perhaps a noble effort, if you want to describe it that, of trying to erase racial uh, inequality through forced miscegenization. It, it is ultimately a very strange project, but one that historically is engaged with. And it is very tricky to talk about, but it also affects the religious permutations or religious expressions that are going on in those cultures where these things happen. Um, it was almost engaged with in the U.S. as well, but they found that it was too expensive. However, in Brazil specifically, Umbanda started following and its popularity started increasing because of its reliance upon European, i.e. Kardecian, and to the lesser nod to Swedenborgian spiritism, but mostly Kardecian, uh, which allowed itself through translation of things, through theosophy and other things, to um, propose a universalized system whereby every religion that had touched base in on Brazilian soil could be brought under the umbrella of a spiritist understanding where there was no more need for um, harsh spirit possession, rigorous uh, spiritual uh, hierarchies, uh, except it, or, or blood sacrifice of any sort. Um, and then it got it under this banner of kind of this proposed seven raid um, universalist system that, that, was interesting because what ended up happening is they ended up open sourcing it, right? So they, they developed workbooks of this is how you bring people to spiritual development and how you can use these techniques. Um, but it allows people to hold on or emphasize certain aspects within their own local communal expressions of those things. Right. That said, um, Omo Loco was often viewed as a reaction against this and trying to preserve the blackness of these same traditions, where you had the engagement with the Orisha, um, the Foduces, the, the Inquisi, and it was um, viewed as less than optimal to lose the very foundational technological, let's start there, expressions of how these deities across these three great nosois, these nations might be worshipped um, in favor of abandoning them to abstract um, spiritual callings done through saint statues. And so just as Umbanda was considered the whitening, that Omoloko preserved the Africanness of these traditions while starting to incorporate some of these broader spiritist uh, notions, which was is, is a much more um, a minority tradition in the greater expression of Umbanda. But it's interesting to look at historically. And the reason I bring it up here for this, after that history lesson, which I think I did in a succinct enough manner, um, it is believed, for instance, that if a experienced mount 
or an experience by the santo, my de santo, whatever we want to call this person, celador, because these names will change. But an experienced transpossession priest that has built up a relationship with their own deity spirits and otherwise, whether it's Gaboklo and Kisi, uh, Orisha, you know, the different archetypes of these possessions, Katisu, um, that an experienced body, meaning the body is trained along with the person who is the spirit that is possessing the body, right? Because we're all possessed at all times, um, right. usually with our own consciousness. Now, that the experienced body, meaning someone who is trying for good character, trying to exhibit clear communication, trying to exhibit good acts, charitable acts, um, to show the faith that when a, a errant spirit or difficult spirit needs to speak, it can then use the body of an experienced mount and they will be able to communicate better. They will be able to not hurt people when they come, come down the, in our, in the lingo. Um, they will be able to, um, soften the intensity of their rage and, and, because the very body of the magician, if I can use that term, has been coded towards good character, good communication, good interaction with their community. Right. And this is a very specific example, but I can't see any difference in, uh, or, or I would propose that there might be less difference than we outwardly think, because although I'm personally obsessed with ideas of, of possession and what that means. And I, we, we possess our thoughts, we possess our inspirations, but this is a whole other thing. I would propose that the magician in the West possesses no new tools for communication than they already have when they are talking to a demon. You cannot communicate better than you have experienced communication in the past. You can communicate maybe a smidge better, maybe a proposed like, oh, we can make a step, but you can't make a leap across a chasm. Yeah. If you've not prepared yourself for those interactions, you do not have the container to hold the conversation. And that is an important part, I think, in proposing why character might be of benefit as a desired thing, not just on the human level, not just for the development of civilization as we see it and as we know it, because we know that notions of civilization change. And I don't necessarily want Roman ideas of civilization versus barbarianism. Right, right. However, for myself, I can hold myself accountable to certain things and improve on and get better with. And that if I have learned to interact with people on a certain level, that all the communication skills I build across the board will be of benefit for when I am communicating with demons. All of the interpersonal skills that I build upon myself as a person will be of communicate will be of benefit when I'm communicating with angels. Now they must be put into their cultural context of some things you have to command, some things you must test to make sure that they are who they say they are. I don't necessarily have to test you Al, when I see you, but just as my boyfriend sometimes makes fun of me and says like, who are you? Where did we go to dinner last week? When I suddenly appear in the driveway and he didn't know I was there. And sometimes <laughs> you got to test things, right? right, um, right. That's my right. proposal with Omoloko as a specific historical exemplar as to why. I hope that made sense. No, absolutely. That 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 concept of uh, character and the, and the and the and the cultivation of good character, allowing for a navigation of, of value centers, right? For the specifics of 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 conditions and conditioning, right? For, for, for me, that 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 very much speaks to engaging with the the spirit <laughs> rather than the letter of the law, right? That the character, good character, is is about facing the same direction towards a bunch of of values rather than a, a bunch of, of, of mere observation of prescriptive taboos or or particular protocols, right? 
it feels a lot more chaotic good than lawful good to me, to, to, to put it that way, right? The repertoire of good character over the archive of dogma. No, because dogma, then you don't know how to apply any of that. What is it, what was the phrase that the law in its infinite wisdom prescribes against the rich as well as the poor from stealing bread, right? Like where, where does stealing is wrong, uh, uh butt up against uh, starving to death is wrong. Uh, like the, the, that, that for me is, 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 is where we can meet that sense of good character can be about challenging power as much as it is about uh, seizing it for ourselves. Yes, absolutely. That, that the equanimity in character is different from equality um yeah. or equity you know the the this is there's something to be explored there on 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 a on very many personal levels it it speaks also to my my distrust of the written language or even spoken communication without engaging it as a relationship with the speaker in that dogma is a perfect example it is by the letter of the law but you don't necessarily have the container to understand what that dogma is trying to espouse unless that dogma is specifically being used to control which dogma often is because we're, we, you know, it's the conversation with someone that doesn't exist anymore, um, which yeah. is true of all reading. Um, you know, the, the, the you that wrote the article last week doesn't exist anymore. And that's yeah. who someone is reading with and then wants to engage you with you like, well, actually, I have a few more thoughts now that can completely terrify and 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 nullify the arguments you made in that same thing a week ago. Yeah, but, we, are, like, we are not just possessed of our own consciousness. We're also haunted by all the consciousnesses that we don't have anymore. Oh, but, yeah. Like, the time ghosts of our own uh, written or our own record, whatever those may be, written or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Um, the parallel universes we create at every juncture at the at each crossroad. This notion of regret or of um, because regret comes like a lightning bolt, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like suddenly you realize you made the wrong choice, mm-hmm. or suddenly you realize you you will not defeat what is in front of you. You will not be on the winning side. Yeah. And I think there is a notion of that with the tower that is also there in its earlier forms as the lightning or the lightning struck tree that perhaps as the tower, we talk about the long, slow build, right? Uh, There's this idea of the Babel tower and like what that is, or St. Barbara being locked away in the tower and the, the liberation, the kind of ejaculatory uh, uh, moment of, of uh, the, the long, slow build from the earth. This is Hodorowsky's uh, tarot book describes this as the phallus of the earth, right? That is building up, that is ejaculated from heaven. Um, and I remember talking about this before, like little yod fires coming down in the Rider Waite thing, which are distinctly not yod fires in uh, the the earlier our, uh, pictorial representations of le, la foudre, uh, la foudre, how I bat my French is non-existent. I wasn't um, sure about that one either, to be honest. Yeah, the lightning. Yeah. Yeah. But this idea that lightning itself as a punishing device, as, you know, the copper bolts of, of the sky deities, of the heavenly fathers, of, of what this is. Um, that the the reference the tower becomes very uh, wrapped up in this narrative later on of the Tower of Babel or the Wizard's Tower or even the harrowing of hell and mm. um, other ideas of or the expulsion of from uh, from Eden, which also carries with it notions of the harrowing of hell, right? Because you're re- rescuing the the quote unquote good pagans, but that this card always comes after the devil in all tarot tarot decks that that contain it, um, and. Like the, I think the Visconti Sforza tarot deck, is that right? And uh, many use just for gameplay, omit the tower. But as far as the the moral play that we're going here, that this slow build, this this um, uh, danger crisis, sudden change, destruction, um, liberation even there, because that's kind of a harrowing of hell thing. 
but uh, pictorial key to the tarot, weight is specifically misery, distress, indigence, adversity, calamity, disgrace, deception, ruin, um, catastrophe. And the idea that reversed its negligence, absence, dis- uh, distribution, carelessness, apathy, nullity, vanity, uh, distraction. So I like this notion here because this overlaps a little bit with a little bit with Irosun, that the Irosun uh, Meji or the Fortuna Minor is like a flag that uh, we need to go back and make sure the foundation is being built correctly. Yes. We need to go back and make sure that we are not in a highly lightning, like are, you know, are we building our house upon on rock or upon sand? Yeah, yeah. And these fundamental crossroads lessons of of, of cavorting with devils, right? The finding out that the 15th century Italian uh, uh, Michianti, Michianti uh, deck, uh, it's called the Il Casa del Diavolo, the, the house of the devil, that the devil's lessons are about, you know, yes, a big storm that reduces your house to rubble and destroys everything you thought was secure, but it shows you that the foundations were not as solid as you once believed they were, right? These, yeah. these unstable foundations of false assumption, of mistruths, of illusions, of blatant lies, of, of lies we tell ourselves. Uh, and yes, there's the ego of building our tower to like spit in the face of God, but but also that like, you know, that, that good character is about how we deal with those sudden upheavals and unexpected changes. A difficult or traumatic event will, will, will push your relationships to, to their absolute limits and how we deal with the, not how we avoid the extreme emotional turmoil because the, the tower is down, right? Those, 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 those spirits are already co- cohering around that, 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 that fragment of fate. But uh, uh, but how we avoid risky investments, how we don't get caught up in the in the undertow of regrets, not just of uh, where we've where we've misacted, but like where humanity has has acted wrongly, right? Which which for me is the, is the post lapsarian contexts for it. But yeah, how we how we how we deal with the with the chaos and destruction, and 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 where we can uh, uh, dance and take flight uh, from those things, uh, ideally, rather than plummet to our doom. So I'm going to follow the nod from uh, the figure and, uh, you know, apply this towards the reading of the, of the, of the episode yeah. um, because the, the crown on the top of the, the writer weight tarot specifically yes. is said to allude towards materialistic thought being bought cheap. <laughs> and that speaks a little bit in my way, in my thought towards dogma and the notion of not having the container to contain it. Mm. That, that If you don't, it's the whole thing of don't seek with the seeker, but seek what they sought that notion of, you have to look beyond the the Buddha. <laughs> you have to kill right. the Buddha. Um, right, right, right. Look and, to the moon, and, you idiot, not my finger. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, this is why dogs are amazing because they learned early on that they we should they should look where we're pointing. Uh, but I, I, there's something in that I think of you know buying your information, trying to trying to do things before your time. Everyone has to start out, but you also want to have the reflection in your copper mirror of of um, knowing when you might need more training, when you might need to go above you because most people I know um, in, in any tradition have someone that they confide in and go to when they need help. They might keep that very secret, <laughs> but, but you know, that's the same thing of like anybody, you, you have friends, you build up a circle of, of trust and they might do things, they might do things completely differently than you, but you trust them in, in when you need the guidance um, specifically. And um, the other thing that, that pointed out is that I believe uh, in one system of ascription, um, it's usually in the golden one, I think it's pe, but uh, that in the in the quote unquote French system, it corresponds to ayin. I was like, it's an eye. Um, it's still the resounding must must watch out. Um, there's some there's some nice um, kind of uh, I don't know if it's it's Masonic or pseudo Masonic, but there's some nice stuff about building the outward tower 
as uh, as as merely a exercise for the the the, the building of the inner tower in um in the symbolism of the tower by uh, P.D. Ospensky, uh, publishes in in 1913, as this uh, uh, the, the 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 parable that kind of goes with the uh, analysis of that card says. Um, Oh, where was it? The tower should warn people not to believe in it. It should serve as a reminder of the inner temple and as a protection against the outer. It should be a lighthouse eh? in a dangerous place where men have often been wrecked and where ships should not go. Right. Um, Ah, Okay. So this brings in the pe of -hmm. the golden knot system of bringing in the mouth that still speaks the story, regardless of um, the shame around it, that the the truth is the truth. I was just thinking about this with, um, uh, there was a, a TikTok video going around in the decolonial circles of of a woman talking about um, Germany's deeds in Africa, which are often not talked about in in lieu of other deeds in in the 20th century. But the 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 importance of speaking of mass genocide and what that is, and that it doesn't it doesn't erase it by not talking about it. It it it, in, it doesn't erase it for the people that went through it. What it does do is is pretend that it never happened and that we're we've moved beyond it when we don't know if we have that the mouth itself as the tower is someone saying that's falling is as important as seeing it to begin with. And again, uh, uh, another like huge testament for, you know, the idea that uh, uh, a hashtag no bad vibes uh, divination reading is, is, is useless, right? Like if the tower is falling, being told it's not, is not helpful. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose in some ways the tower is always being struck by lightning. It's just, where is that in your life? And without being um, catastrophic about it, that, you know, there are always things that we can learn that that is no longer the road I need to go down. And I had sudden insight into that is why, why right now, you know, like, and we want to have those moments sooner that the idea that a successful partnership or a successful marriage is successful if it terminates or comes to an end. If you have discovered that the best way you can make each other happy is by not being in each other's lives. Yes, yes, yes. It's still a successful marriage. The successful business partnership is this company has run its term. We're good. We should we should divide assets and move on. Yeah, that yeah. that is still success. That is still that 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 we can. Okay, so this because Ospensky is going to be doing Gurdjieffian stuff, right? And the the, the Gurdjieffian notion that you should uh, you can almost inoculate yourself against the great tragedies by putting small tragedies. Uh-huh. I'm speaking to Fortuna Major and Fortuna Minor in your <laughs> life that you can take on the obstacles to build the container that allows you to contain the experience of dealing with shock, um, with dealing with discomfort, with dealing with in, you know quick decisions being need to made be made. Yeah, that's correct. That's grammar. That's syntax. Um, but the idea here that that maybe if we can recognize where little towers are, then we will be spared from the ultimate calamity of a large tower happening because we can either recognize it sooner. Or go, wow, okay, but I have the tools. And yeah. that that is intrinsically tied into character. Yeah. It's that side of like, I'm reminded of a supposed Masonic quote, and I have to say it that way, alleged, um, mm-hmm. you know, do not have two characters, one outside the lodge and one inside the lodge. Your character should be the same in all of your interactions. You might have to edit. You might have to contextualize. You might, doesn't mean you spill the same way in every single format. Right, right, right. Code switching is still... Code switching is still uh, a valuable uh, skill and modality of of being and engaging with other people. The the, the bridge is built halfway between you, right? Like yes, you, yeah. a negotiated yeah, yeah. space that mm-hmm. is not just dependent upon the mask. That if mm-hmm. the mask is being worn, and we used to joke about this, right? Acting wise, like if an actor is very good at switching between parts, you go like, I don't know you as a person. <laughs> like I don't know who's wearing the mask. The actor might not either for years. 
developing who you are as the one that wears these different things is really important and is a great tool for not going crazy by doing completely divergent parts and taking on different personas, allowing yourself to be possessed by different personas. Um, Right, right, right. The all all colors agree in the dark. And that, yeah, you must agree your, you must develop your consciousness in order to take on alternate consciousnesses. Yes. Yes, the, yes, the worship of the Ori is essential to understanding how to work with Orisha. Right. I'm, I'm sure you've quoted to me before that that notion that uh, Ori is the the first Orisha and the one that can can refuse all other blessings. That if we're not in alignment with our with our heads, then all of the ebo and prayer and and absolutely. And yeah. By by a larger extension of what does that mean is that nothing can happen to you if your head refuses it to be active in your life. Someone can give you a a million dollars if your head is in the place where you have to um hoard that or buy it like you have no resources anymore you will not invest that well and the blessing will be a minor blessing yeah but it was the same thing of i was thinking about that earlier of how many people end up in bankruptcy after being after winning the lottery yes yes and 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 that's an example of the head did not accept the blessing yet you mm-hmm. have to train you have to have the container so so that the 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 things take root which is an argument even some have with like uh, psychedelics. It mm-hmm. provides wonderful escape, wonderful vision. But if you don't have the ability to contain that vision, if you're not doing the work to contain those visions, those visions will be fleeting. Right. And it leads us to why you chase the high as opposed to uh, develop what you see during that high as a moment of inspiration and, and incorporation. Right, so, right, right. That, that, that psychonauts maxim about uh, once you have received the message, put the phone down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than worshiping the phone. So we, we talked, you know, abstractly about what it is to to live uh, not just in spite, but uh, but through the uh, 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 through the, the the things falling apart, right? Through the um, through the, the 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 flung stones of those uh, who have seated themselves in, in in superiority, moral or otherwise, to us, and and and, and not being in any way an, an expert in uh, uh, Rosaline uh, Norton in 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 viewing in reading on and on, on her biographies and stuff it it does seem and i don't want to paint her into a corner here it does seem a life continually navigating a bunch of uh no's and a bunch of uh you know uh, arrests and court cases and prurient authorities uh, uh saying you can't do this uh this is this is wrong this is this is transgressive this is um uh this is putting uh, people's moral character in danger, uh, uh, which, I mean, is, is only one thread of, 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 a, of a life and work, but it's it's one that I, I found myself being particularly interested in, in terms of how she can fit into our, our discussions uh, on this episode. Really struck, well, I mean, she's a New Zealand, so let's, I mean, historically, right? So brief summary and then, you know, throw stones, please. Um, yeah. But New Zealand born Australian, and uh, a painter and self-named, self-styled, self-taught witch yeah. who, who, who did bring in other resources. Of course, she was reading anything she could at the time to further this. But a sex magician par excellence, uh, a painter whose work is always compared to male uh, occultists uh, rather than standing on its own. But I remember first reading about her in, in one of Valiente's books, the, the, the image of, of the pan image on her, in her apartment. Yeah. was there and and this this by an early age at the church of england school in chatswood was expelled because it, uh, she was 14 and producing depraved drawings of quote vampires ghouls and werewolves 
um, and was, you know, most likely corrupting the other girls. And it was a battle continuously with um, her own uh, sensuality. And I would, I would say that it's, uh, I think witchcraft is intrinsically tied into sexuality historically. I'm not saying it always is in, in, in every day, in every person's practice that might identify as witch, but it, it certainly was for her that her, her love letters to a lover were deemed um, so inappropriate that that's why it allowed them to raid that it was on sexual impropriety. In addition to the fact that the, the, the witch laws that allowed Gardner to publish in England still held sway in Australia until the seventies. Yeah. And that this, this, this notion of what a witch is and this corruption that people made up shit saying that they went crazy after going to a satanic mass at her house and she's not a satanist and never did satanic black masses she's like i did orgiastic stuff we did sex magic all the time Uh, we were drunk on absinthe and everything in between her green ginger wine that she loved Mm -hmm. and she was doing forms of 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 whatever she could but she was in in modern terms one hell of a fucking performance artist um, she was a nude model for many artists and uh, because of her unabashed, she had no shame in a lovely way. Like that quote that I shared with you about like where, wherever, wherever perfectionism is driving us, shame is writing shotgun uh, by Brene, Bren, Breen, Brown. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the first name, but like there's something really strong there that like this woman is in the loveliest of witchcraft ways, not ashamed. Yeah. This lack of shame ends up being a, a source of further, if not empowerment, then like, sources of of further inspiration for her right that like time and time again she puts together these these public exhibitions that don't go well that the police raid that they remove paintings from that they deem to be obscene she's she's born 2nd of october 1917 and dies 5th of december uh, 1979 so again this is a fascinating period of the 20th century in general to be living through and to be painting her her demons vampires and, and 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 werewolves and so on like she's she's on both sides of the of, of of the artist's gaze as a like you say as an artist's model. Um, I, I'm I'm fascinated by uh, that 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 stray line I read that she she also supplemented her income as 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 many artists do with a bunch of other work, including being a, a hospital's kitchen maid, uh, 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 um, uh, working as a waitress, and it also says uh, just briefly that she worked as a toy designer, and that wow. to me is fascinating. I love this idea. Having having looked at a bunch of the paintings now, like I I I, I want to know what toys she was designing. Yeah, I I mean, God, if she could have designed sex toys, we'd be in a whole other world. Um, right. I love the. Uh, I believe she was called Rowie by her friends. Um, so there's this, I mean, the, the Witch of King's Cross documentary has, you know, this lovely just recalling of things. Um, she was said to be, you know, thin, wiry, thin, and has these kind of vampira out, out eyebrows, right? Mm-hmm. With the very, you know, that flat edged bangs that would be like make every um, hipster uh, proud. She and her her own face appears in her artwork, whether or not it's said to be her own face, right? Like, so when you look at the seance and there's the female figure riding uh, the devil head, the, the five-eyed devil head, like we can clearly see a reference to her own face or that she's a, cultivating her appearance to be like the images that she wants to paint, one of the two. So her art, the art of Rosalie Norton was published in 1952 and did contain some famous paintings that are are still very, very controversial. Um, I love the, and uh, the, the demon Fohat, I guess is 
I'm going to pronounce it like that, um, with the, the Baphometic image with the giant snake penis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's some, there's some lovely, uh, again, sex toy uh, promotion that's coming out of there. Um, and I don't mean that in any way to, to detract from how powerful it is. Um, you know, she has an esoteric understanding of everything she's doing. Um, her, her magical world is charged. She considers to be, she is worshiping Pan ultimately, uh, both as the, the all, but also in its complete uh, madness and inspiration for an artist. And I, I love this outpouring of so much witch that it is art, that it is sculpture, that it is performance art, that it is um, her sex magic, that it is, it's just when we talk about the artist as a way of being, she yeah. takes witch as a way of being, not to, not to, not to say, oh, I did this spell. Everything becomes a spell for her. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the account of the placard on her door, uh, uh, of the, the, the house that she's, she's running where she's doing these like amazing orgiastic rituals to pan and making all this art and encouraging other artists. The placard on the door supposedly states, welcome to the house of ghosts, goblins, werewolves, vampires, witches, wizards, and poltergeists, right? And this becomes part of the reason that people point a finger at her, right? To, to, yeah. to borrow uh, uh, Peter Gray's phrase about you find the witch at the end of a pointed finger. It is it is by these, these continual acts that aren't just, oh, she's a witch, she's spooky, but are, are things that like, dog and ma ma is the wrong term that that attempt to mar her her creative expression time and time again that she folds back into how she will live and how she will respond to these towers uh and these flung stones of of of, of authoritarian control right that like yeah like you say she's 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 living it right as as this as this pagan uh as as denying the 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 explicit satanic panic stuff uh, and is continually dogged by the press, publishing stories accusing her of being a, a devil worshiper. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm super fascinated by how the kind of like the 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 kind of yellow top press, like tabloids, frenzy and hysteria, haha, uh, end up kind of like forcing her into more of this stuff as well. Like that, like by the 1950s, people are like there are tourists coming to try and find this house to try and find this witching woman that keeps being accused of, of corrupting people, right? That, yeah, like you say, the, the, the time at the time in Australia, witchcraft is, is still illegal, at least in, in New South Wales, the, the, it's the British witchcraft act of 1735 that had been repealed in England in six, in, in 1951, but wasn't repealed in New South Wales until 1971. And she's opening, declaring herself a witch and she's, trying to explain her beliefs continually in, in, in interviews, right? Emphasizing, you know, her, her pantheism and, and so on. And so along with selling her painting, she, she, she starts to, 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 to use this, the, these accusations to supplement her income by, by uh, uh, casting hexes for people, sure, but also making charms and, and again, like in mattering and, and uh, her, 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 her expression and her art and her, and her witchcraft. Just on the human level too, of being betrayed by members of people that you hold in close confidence that, you know, the trouble that was made for her of during a birthday party, her uh, being flagile, you know, having a, a whipped, her butt whipped. Um, yeah. 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 Spanking section. Like, yeah. Yeah. Writ large. Is so and like members that. of their coven yeah. steal the photographs and are planning to give them to the sun, which then goes to the court. And, you know, they raid the house based on that as an unnatural sex act. So sex act. Um, and then, the the difficulty in like the the hmm, the notion that we all do and it's very difficult i i 
how do we tactfully deal with, and especially when it's people that might be close to us, that are attracted to what we do as occultists, as as sorcerers, as witches, as as carcists generally, of the mental health of our close people, and that um, one of her her main uh, lovers, uh, Greenleys, he collapsed and is is admitted to a hospital, but he's diagnosed with schizophrenia, and is readmitted and, and admits to trying to kill her. Um, during a specific schizophrenic episode of his and what is the work that we do in the building of the container and and this this speaking of this is like sometimes you have to acknowledge that there's a container that that must be engaged with in a way that might be beyond your ken and that we can't solve everything with magic we can't engage everything with magic Um, we can live magically which is perhaps the the next best thing to live as if we are magic in and i don't mean that pejoratively at all but that that struck me very heavily in her in the relation of this of that you know as a as a bisexual woman exploring all these notions of taboo unabashedly having her personal life invaded constantly as well as kind of using that to build up her own reputation in a, in as you should get that you know if that's what's going on and to set your boundaries like i don't do animal sacrifice i don't do a devil sack i don't do devil stuff um right. i do pan and i do these things but to to have your lover try to kill you to have to watch them go through mental health crises um, and uh, visit them after they're institutionalized um, and to never see them free again in your lifetime is uh, that that struck me on a very human level. Yeah, there's there's not really a sense of 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 her falsely stoking spectacle so much as attempting to arise or float through it. Yeah, the notion of dying from uh, colon cancer and uh, the 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 sheer force of will to say I came into the world bravely, I'll go out bravely. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is a lovely. Um, it's not really an epithet, but like it is ultimately, it's an utterance. Um, and you know, I like this this the force of this utterance. The context is strong. <laughs> There's so much in her in her work, um, her dedication to Pan as being the the driving force behind so much um there was in uh 2000 uh, an exhibition of her paintings in entertained in, in heavily promoted by the OTO in um Australia uh that the catalog i have is is beautifully done uh the occult visions of rosalind norton mm-hmm. uh, and she also went uh by the name thorn um so i think there's the there's also the book um, "A Thorn in the Flesh," a grim memoir, mm. playing on grimoire. But uh, it's various uh, poetry reminiscences and 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 things by Norton herself, uh, with with some eh, a few handful, several, maybe a half dozen artworks in there. But is just there's some beautiful tribute to her out there, and I'm I like I said, I'm very excited when there's something like a documentary on her in this way. Because it's um, it's kind of like uh, we talk about saints, and in truth, our dead magicians are no less saints than our saint saints. It's just uh, you know, I think the um, the notion of this when when a saint is more modern, we have much more information about their humanity as well. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I think that makes their miracles all the more fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so too with with Rosalie Norton, um, yeah. their, her her trials and tribulations as. Um, a magician, I think, can speak to all of us on on these varied paths um, as a model of keep it the fuck going, like do it bravely. 
do yeah. do this shit bravely like you're not always going to please everyone and you know i think there's that's something in the character too right like her character is about bravery <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah and she's going to be brave regardless of what she's doing yeah not just brilliant for the period of time she was in but what 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 she achieved and uh, uh, the once so modern and yet so like exemplifying these these if i may like kind of perennial looking themes of witch and and liberator i think uh and anybody born in september or october of 1980 if we follow that you know you have 40 days to find a a a newly conceived personage to enter into you know <laughs> maybe you're a reincarnation and you can give us new Oh, the lamacity of it all. (laughs) Heck yeah. Heck yeah. It's been great to discuss and uh, bump against each other and hammer into mirrors with which to see and ring as bells of of warning and of of gathering. I mean, who is not more legion than the artist that is (laughs) in their full articulation of their artistry at all times this is the true panic right this is the the multiple voices at once from the outer world from the wilderness everything that is calling out the 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 baptist announcing the the prophesied savior the crisis of the possession of our genius and and how to digest it all without becoming bitter or hubristic or, or relying on the uh on, on the letter of, of, of dogma and loophole. Oh, yeah, certainly. Okay. So that, that notion that like was espoused to me by a, a very favored mentor of mine of you meet someone for the first time, consensually get them rip roaring drunk. <laughs> <laughs> right. Show right, you right. Right. In vino veritas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is something, you know, this is the engage the, the small tower before the big tower comes with wormwood, right. Of like, let's see what you are before we have to expel you. If we have to expel you, um, you'd have to catch me first, weirdo. Um, that's, that's right. Um, so, no, this has been lovely. Thank you, Al. Um, and Hillary, thank you for inspiring us to actually record this episode because mm-hmm. it might not have happened at first. And for that, I raise my, gra- my glass, my grass, hilarious, um, and bid you good rest with your neighbors, Lawrence and Stephen, that perhaps in death, your neighbors are giving you uh, new insights and and some good conversation and um as a catholic i thank you stephen for not being jesus so that i don't have to hit my head repeatedly um instead of doing the, sign of the cross yeah it's fantastic some 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 themes to to return to and, and some to to synthesize and further pick apart and braid back together yeah yeah great time. and i love this oracle of the episode as opposed to having to feel like i have to book report on a tarot card <laughs> or the at this point of like how do these apply to everything here let's see yeah. we, we we learn in the specifics not in the in the generalizings yeah. yeah yeah i love it we you can find us online at radiofreegolgotha.com that is also the place where you can see we try to keep it updated of current talks classes uh appearances uh between uh the good doctor and myself uh you can also find us on facebook at whatever the radio free golgotha address is but if you google or not google if you facebook search us we do have a, a like, uh, you know, a page there. We also have the Folk Necromancy Forum on Facebook. And we have plans for the future things this year that will expand upon these things. So stay tuned. Uh, perhaps they already exist by the time you are within earshot of uh, this dripping honey that is my voice. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, and we do have a speakeasy, at least 
one already planned. So check the website out. Check out Speakeasy of the Dead. And um, uh, if you see outside Al outside in the cold, let him in. Let him in. Just, just scrape it on the door. As soon as I'm let in, I want to go out again. That's right. That's um, after, after you steal some souls. <laughs> we, are, we are nothing if not legion. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on this uh, uh, these sets of long walks on short tangents. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Short uh, walks and long tangents on this end. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Al, and thank you, Pope St. Hilary. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>